Welcome, welcome to a... I see, I was busy over here. Da, da, da. Okay, I'm okay. Welcome to Kindler and Gentler Distancing Corrections. I was just unmuting the buttons here. Hello, it's uh, Jason's over here on his Hello, webcam. Hello, everybody. On his webcam. Now I can turn you Hard down pilot. a little bit. You're coming through real loud. Ah, I botched that intro. I was actually just getting my beverage ready. Of course. Right? Sure. I'm hoping that the audio is coming through okay on the YouTube. It sounded pretty bad. I'm just saying. So, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Oh, good. Okay. Good, good, good. So, yeah. Uh, this is kind it's well, despite that intro, it's kindler, gentler. Distancing curmudgeons. Ah, we still got a little of the biohazard over here. Right? That's right. You know. And I got I gotta get my I was trying to get my beverage going ahead of time. You're a little close to the camera. You can Sorry, I'm, uh, you I'm can, using the uh Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm trying to share this far and wide. Oh, okay. Well, I have a beverage here. That I'm getting going. Uh, today's beverage is <laughs> Trader Joe's brewed ginger beer, non-alcoholic sparkling beverage. I recommend it. It's kind of like Reed's, but it's Trader Joe's brand. Gotcha. Anyway, it's tasty though. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Ginger is good. Okay. So actually, I'm gonna check here and see. Uh, What's going on? Yeah. I've been so busy with other people's stuff, so I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm like, oh, dur, dur. I'm just curious. It's like, I wasn't getting any audio on YouTube or whatever. Oh, not those guys. Oh, YouTube's making me crazy. It's making me crazy. They're all making me crazy. And of course, now everyone's home, so everyone's doing their thing. Oh, here we are live. Is it? Is it? Yeah, it's a little clicky. I wasn't getting any audio on YouTube or whatever. It's a little clicky. So sorry about that. I don't know what's going on. Facebook's not doing that. So there you go. Facebook's not doing it. So if you're watching, go to Facebook. There's a news box thing there. The audio's better there. <sighs> but you're here yeah. in your box now. I'm in my box. Yeah, you're looking I'm good. My, I'm in my I'm in my cubicle. Yeah. Just don't move too far to the left or right. <laughs> right. I'm going to stay right here. I'm frozen. Because you're in a box, you know? I'm in a box. Just like the, the news. But but it's looking good. It's looking good. We were trying to... We wanted to do that earlier when we started this, but uh, yeah. it wasn't working. So you had to get a new webcam. Oh, yeah. And a new mic, right? New mic. Yeah. New, new webcam, new mic, new swing arm, even an LED light off here to the side. Yeah, yeah. You're coming in great. Yeah. I like it. So uh, far, it's working out. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and you, what'd you get? What do you mean, what'd I get? Like the webcam, what'd you get? <laughs> I don't know. The you have no idea. It. I love it. I have no idea. That's what I asked you before. It's like, so uh, what'd you get? You got your Logitech there, your whatever. I don't know what other... I'm. Sh okay, I'm just not up on webcam technology because I use other technology broadcast technology but um you know the only one i could come up with was logitech oh, right it, yeah it's from uh, some company called able gaming able gaming okay there yeah. you go 
This is go. an Able Gaming webcam right here. Yep. And and the mic you don't know either. <laughs> oh, all of it came through Able Gaming. Oh, is the mic Able Gaming too? Yep, and the LED light and everything. And so. Oh, so it's all Able Gaming. Right. It came as a package deal. On Amazon. Yeah. Well, there you go. Able Gaming on Amazon. Courtesy of Jeff Bezos. You're, you're welcome, Able Gaming, for the free uh, free plug. That's right. Now, well, the thing is, is, you know, you can... Uh, no, Able Gamers charity. No, that's not it. Uh, well, is that the... Wait, is that the brand or the, or the store? Or who knows? Oh. It's just... Or that's the label, right? That uh, that's the brand. Okay. Yeah. I typed it in and nothing came up in Google. Now you now we're missing you. Here we, here we go. How to set up your Able Gaming streaming kit? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. There's these manufacturers that go off and do their own thing, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the way it's been in technology forever. It's like, oh, here's the. You know, Logitech or whatever. And Logitech's really good. I use Logitech yeah. keyboards. Uh, can't go wrong with Logitech. I've used Logitech since the 80s, man. Since yeah. they were making mice. You cannot go wrong with Logitech. I think Logitech's good stuff. Uh, love their wireless all-in-one keyboards, which I use around here. But, uh, you know, then they go out in places like China. <laughs> and they make an off brand you know it's just right. like it's just like you know i'm out of shot it's just like this trader joe's brewed ginger beer which tastes as good as reed's but it's like half the price so that's how it works that's that's quarantine thinking that's right this is how you got to think during the uh oncoming things oh when you get in lockdown mode you have a certain sort yeah. of uh uh, quarantine mentality, right? Well, in tech, you know, there's always like, I mean, here's the thing. In tech, it would be like, okay, you you want to build a computer, right? Yeah. And typically now, what do people build computers for anymore? Gaming. They used to do it back in the day for gaming. But, you know, it's like, ooh, I'm going to build this hot computer. I mean, I would build mine for multimedia more than gaming. Go figure. But um, so you right. So the thing is, is you build your own computer right. like you could go to Dell or whatever or gateway back in the day or whatever. I'll order one. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. OK, but um, I was just checking the recorder. Uh, but uh, if you built one, it, it was it was slick. It was really nice, you know, yeah. and you could you could build it with these parts and put it in a gray box although now with the gaming stuff it's really you know now it's really intense but you know back in the day you could you could spend half your money and get a much better computer and that's just the way tech always worked so you know it's like it's like it's like you know it's like you go to the store they're like the drugs or whatever Although I hear people say, well, the drugs aren't the same or whatever. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I just know that when I go and let's put a little spot here. I just know that when I go and uh, 
get like cold medicine like you might get these days. It's like you get like the expensive, you know, brand, and then next to it is the Walgreens brand, right? It's House like, brand, yeah. Yeah, man. That's like, hey, it's all the same, right? I don't know if it's all the same. I've heard people like with prescriptions and stuff, they the generic does. I don't know. I have no clue. I don't know. Either. But I always, you know, I always get, you know. I mean, we had. I wish they would still make this. The earliest part when they did this back in the the eighties, maybe it started in the late seventies. But I remember in the eighties, stores did uh, the white label brand. The generic, right? Yeah, generic. Yeah, it's a white can of beer, and his white can just said beer. Beer, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it'd be like you'd be drinking, and it's a white label, and it says beer. They they got to bring that back. I think they should bring that back. Because so. let me tell you, hipster. I guess we call them Zoomers now. Is that what we're calling them, Zoomers? Are they using Zoom? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's not millennials. It's Zoomers. They're not boomers. They're Zoomers. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the next generation. But uh, after millennials, they yeah. go for that, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they'd be looking at that beer going. Uh, what font is that? Is that Ariel? No, I think that's Helvetica Noia. Oh, yeah. Look at the kerning here. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we, we would clean up if we opened up a shop and just had, like, a white T-shirt that says shirt. Well, there was there was something like that. Uh, I don't know if the place is still there, but uh, Sizzle Pie on Burnside. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, next to it, they opened up this Mart. And it was completely like Millennials Hipster Mart. <laughs> I mean, it was just, just it, it was weird. First of all, how can I describe it? Like, I never went inside because I was way too scared to go inside. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, ooh, that place is not for me. Are, um, are you going to, I mean, for all you know, you could come out wearing a man bun. Yo. Well, you know, now that you mention it, since we aren't going to be getting haircuts for six months, I might actually end up with a man bun because uh, it's not going to get it's not going to be happy. But anyway, uh, I went in there or I looked through the window and I guess the only way I could describe it is if you look at this, it's like the mini mart. I should look it up. If you look inside of it, it's like um, it looks like when you're in a. Uh, a game, you know, like whatever yeah. game you're playing, yeah. like uh, what is it, Grand Theft Auto or something like it. something that takes place in the city, not whatever not not like a fantasy thing. game where you're fighting dragons with swords and stuff, yeah. But a game where it's like you're, oh, I'm in d- downtown Portland, Oregon, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna drive fast and shoot people and do all sorts of horrible stuff, what and then you come that? to the mart. This looks like a, a a a mart in a game, or a mart that you would see a picture of, like in a Lego set. <laughs> like you know right. how stuff is stacked perfectly. Yeah. Like I don't. Yeah. I, it was like you looked in there and you're like, can you even touch anything or buy anything? Everything's symmetrical. Yeah, you know when you go to Safeway, yeah. and you walk in the soup, especially right now, and you walk in the soup section, and it's just all you know. Oh, there's a. Uh, uh, Dented Safeway's gonna love me for saying this. Safeway, whatever. Albertsons, oh, same company. Kroger, Kroger. (laughs) You know, the supermarket. Uh, 
Uh, what's that place? Uh, Walmart? I don't know. Where they sell super groceries. You know, and you yeah. walk over the shelf and, like, you know, there's dented can on its side of progresso lentil soup. Uh, right. You know, so, some, somebody's put their dirty diaper. Right, the wretched <laughs> refuse. It's just like, yeah, there's a diaper and, and maybe, like, just some bar of soap that, you know, like, yeah. oh, wow. Baloney, what's baloney doing here? Now, see, if you see the diaper and all that stuff, you, you know it's a bit, just get out of the store. But say that's probably not a place you want to go to. But even the nice stores, big supermarkets, there's like stuff all strewn over the shelves, and it's like, oh, what's the ramen doing over here? And the hot dogs, and the you know, it's all, all right. messed up. This place was not like that. Oh, gotcha. Like I don't know what what you do, or like if if you could go in there and get something, and they just had like beer beverages. I, what the heck? It was like it was called like mini mart, mm-hmm. you know, almost just like Scandinavian. Oh, you know. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. just look at it. Don't touch it. You know. Like, like someone went to Amsterdam and they saw a mini mart over there and they decided I'm gonna build one in Portland. Yeah, I I don't know what what uh, uh let me let me I I want to see if I can find it and um. And see if I can find a picture of it. And it might not be there anymore. Because there was a fire in that building. Yeah, pers- here it is. Willamette Week. Oh, from 20... 20- this was 2016. Is it Max? Is that it? No. Hmm. That ain't it. Forgive so, me. I get questions, though. I mean, if they open a, if they have this mini mart down there, I'm, I'm kind of uh, wondering what sort of departments do they have in there? Do they got like the man bun section next to the flannel? Here's a picture and, of it right here. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a little bit less, you know. Don't get it mixed up with PBR. Yeah, here, hang on, let me get it for you. It's a, you know, I, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little. Well, yeah, but those back shelves there. Again, it may not it, it may not be around anymore. I don't even know. It's around. But here's this is from Willamette Week, which by the way, uh if you want to talk about uh places that are stressing out. Yeah. Uh Willamette Week, um Portland Mercury, they were one of the first to announce like all those publications that actually print no print. They're not printing because of all this. And oh, but the worst thing about it, like Portland Mercury, and I want to say this, I think they had to lay people off. They mm. make their revenue by publicizing events, right? right? Concerts, right. shows, things like that. What, where are you going to go to find out about events? Oh, well, let's go uh, look at the Portland Mercury. Just pick one up. Or you could go to their website. They got an event calendar. Well, if everyone's shutting down events, they're not paying for ads placement for their events and then they're not paying their journalists that's really messed up really bad so um yeah here's a picture of it though probably can't see it but you can kind of see it here online it has like a uh uh like two mountains an m and an m and they're like red and blue and then it, yeah, kind of Scandinavian. Oh, and over here it says coffee, drinks, some wine, 
off to the back. Kind of, oh yeah, kind of a kind of IKEA-ish off to the back. Healthy, <laughs> salty, sweet. Are they all on IKEA shelves? Kind of, yeah. Oh, that that is so kind yeah. of. Oh my god. Yeah, real hip. I I don't know if the place is is in business anymore. It was next door to. Uh, oh yeah, here's the. It just looks yeah. It's kind of, kind of IKEA ish and kind of. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Sure. This was from sure. uh, 2016. European utilitarian. Uh, September second, twenty sixteen. Wow, it's been that long. Updated on the third. Sweet, a sweet aisle, a salty aisle. Okay, well, I'm weak enough with the pop-ups. You'll oh, they... find me in the salty aisle. Oh, they had kombucha taps. Oh boy. Yeah, kombucha taps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the signage is all looks like IKEA kind of. Yeah. With that big weird. Uh, Helvetica font, and then the and then the red line, and then the details in the bottom, in a smaller Helvetica. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. Here's what I'm talking about. Here, I can I'll throw this one up on the uh, on the uh, screen here if you can wa- if you can see. Whoa, Brandon Kombucha. Here we go. Take a look at that. There we go. Uh, so there's there's a picture of what I'm talking about with all the shelves universally lined up. That's all kombucha. <laughs> tons and tons of kombucha. Right. You ever drink kombucha? Uh, I, I have no idea if I've ever ingested any of that. Really? Yeah. Ever drink vinegar? Um, Inadvertently? Inadvertently. Um, ever have a salad, know. Jason? <laughs> Maybe at a jungle juice party one time. I don't know. <laughs> Have I had a drink salad with oil and vinegar on it? <laughs> oh, sure. sure. All right, you've, you've, you've had kombucha then. No. No, not, maybe not really. But it's a little bit different. But Like if you go in the subway and they put a little oil and vinegar on it, is that where, you know? Yeah. Like, oh. It's probiotic, but it's vinegar or something. I don't know. Now they have spiked kombucha. There's something out there. Yeah, where they put the liquor in there. You, oh. you know what's funny is uh, when I was not, when I was, I don't know, under the weather, and I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to get into that under the weather thing because, you know, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know anything um, right. unless you're really, really, really sick. And then yeah. hopefully, hopefully, and I really mean that sincerely, hopefully someone can test you. If you're really, really sick, because you should be tested. Um, But anyway, uh, when I was under the weather, uh, I was at, uh, you know, one of the markets. And they they had rows. They had just reorganized, and they had rows. Where I would go to get certain food now was rows of their own branded kombucha in a, you know, in a can. Like a pop can kind of thing. And I bought one. Because I wasn't feeling well, and it was like ginger, ginger kombucha. So I bought one. Okay. Do you know where it is? Sitting in my fridge right now. Still just <laughs> sitting in my fridge. Yeah. I bought that sucker about two months ago. Just sitting oh. there. I don't know. I just, just, uh, I see, I could have brought it down to drink it. Ginger. Oh, yeah. Right. 
in case of emergency, break glass and there's your kombucha. It was kind of like that. Yeah. I I don't know. I see. I got friends. They all like the kombucha. It's a. Uh, it's probiotic, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like fermented. Mm. Like like kraut and stuff like that. Sour kombucha. Pickle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's supposed to be good for you because it has probiotics in it. Ah. If you ever just want to lay something on someone, they're like, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling good. Uh, I, the economy's not doing well. My stocks are just go probiotics. <laughs> probiotics. Uh, That'll be it. We could, we could almost do our own commercial. You know? Yeah. My hair is falling out. My leg just fell off. You need some probiotics. <laughs> you know? Right. If your hair's falling out, you could go to the mini mart and get yourself a man bun too. Oh man, this this place actually. Oh oh gosh, yeah. Here's the ice, the white labeled ice cream. Oh man, it's so it's just it's just IKEA based, you know. It's just yeah. Scandinavian uh, based. Oh no, did my buddy? Did my buddy? Uh, <laughs> did he design the the? Stuff he might actually he might have designed the logo. There's a really uh, big designer out of yeah. That kind of looks like his kind of a logo too. I don't mind the logo actually. It's just it's just an interesting take on yeah. things. It's again it's kind of to me like Scandinavian. You know, oh, yeah. it has yeah. that kind of. I don't I don't even know what that style is called other than Scandinavian. I, I like to call it European utilitarian. Yes, that's what that's what you came know? to mind, utilitarian. But yeah. you know, I, that that's that's what I would call it. Um, you know, I mean, it's like beautiful, beautiful looking uh, uh, chairs that are um, that are well crafted in design, but simple, not mm-hmm. not ornate. Uh, that will hurt your butt in like five minutes when you sit on them. Right. Can't sit on. You're just like, that's a beautiful Scandinavian chair. Now I gotta get up because my butt's but you... sore. No, 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 no! Don't sit on it. You just look at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, okay. definitely, yeah. most definitely. Nah, I mean, you know, some of the chairs, some, some, some of them are okay. Okay, to be fair, but, um, yeah. So I, and again, I. The place might be closed now. I don't even know. Haven't been over there. Not like we're going out places. Right. Um, even though a sizzle pie would be really good right now. So since we've been doing this, so we had like a, in this state of Oregon, yes. which isn't really a state. It's more a state of mind. Uh, so wait, wait, wait. Billy Joel, you know, New York state of mind. It's now, yeah. you know. Yeah, Oregon's more a. Uh, Oregon state of mind. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Oh. Hey, man. Oh, is that some kombucha, kombucha you got there? Oh, I think I drunk too much of that. I'm hearing voices, man. I need to get out my. Uh, I don't think I have many chimes, wind chimes. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll do that next time. But anyway, uh, since we've been doing this, so last week, the governor of the Oregon State of Mind um, 
said people should stay home. Yeah. Is that shelter in place? Is that what they said? Shelter in place, yes. Is, is that what it was? I'm getting yeah. all the terms wrong. There's distancing, social distancing, shelter in place. we got a whole new terminology coming out. We do. We do. And 2020. I, 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 I got to get used to all of it. Social distancing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't know, but I, I guess I've already practiced. I, I practiced that for the last couple decades, right? Social distancing. Oh, me too. And, yeah, uh, I'm golden. I'm just like, I don't talk to anybody. I don't <laughs> Right. Shelter in place. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they did that last week in Oregon. And the weather's now the weather's not as good this week, unfortunately, but uh the weather has been fantastic. It's been right. sunny. It's been cold though. Cold, cool. Uh yeah. but it's been sunny. And so uh so they had this shelter in place, and then what happened this weekend? Everyone went to the beach. Crowds, crowds. No social distancing. It was like, hey, how you doing? But I guess it's kind of like spring break is basically what the deal. This would have been spring break. Yeah. Because they were having a problem like that in Florida, too, I think. You know. I think so, right. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing a video. I, I think it was uh, a mayor or somebody of, uh, I think it's like Fort Lauderdale. And he's on the beach, and he's got this, like, this megaphone thing. And he's just screaming at all these, all these college-age yeah. kids. You know, wow. Get off the beach for the love of God, you know. Well, what can you do? I mean, uh, I mean, you know, it could be it could be Normandy. There's bullets flying. There's <laughs> Tom Hanks is doing that, and there'll still be kids in bikini, bikinis and stuff going. I don't care. It's spring break, man. You know, right, right. No one's gonna get me off this beach. Surfboards and. Getting drunk and puking on the beach. Who's that? I think that's Tom Hanks. Doesn't he have the the virus thing? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he's out of quarantine. He's storming the beach, though. I'm picturing the very end of uh, Planet of the Apes. Charlton Heston is running on the beach. You know, he's on his knees. Dear God. And there's like something people next to him like, hey, will you play some lotion? Yeah. (laughs) We're in the middle of Omega Man here. You know. Yeah. It, end, end of the end of the world type scenario. He's just screaming, "Dab you, dab you, you did it, you did it!" And then, then, then you see him lift up his finger, and it's a bikini. Right, right, right. All because of spring break. And then the lady on the horse with him is like, "Hey, I'm naked back here. I could use that. <laughs> could you right. toss that back?" I've been riding around lunch. naked on your horse all movie. <laughs> Hey, Lady Godiva, can you move? Um, you're, you know, exactly. you're, uh, you're getting in my race, man. She was scantily clad, Jason. She was. Yes. Well, Charlton Heston with a gun on a horse with a scantily clad young woman. Right. Pretty much describes the early 70s movies <laughs> when I was a kid. You know, it was like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I know sure. people... To... to Charlton Heston is problematic, as they would say in the modern times. Yeah. You know? And that, the thing is, is what are you going to do? You know? It's like, uh, I think, you know, I think his big one is the whole weaponry kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, no matter if it's uh, Omega Man, Soylent Green, 
Uh, well, I, I'm not talking about his movies. I'm talking about right. him personally. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's what went on to be NRA guy or something like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So, so he's, he's problematic, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know. I. Yeah. I. I think he doesn't. Well, he's gone now, but he didn't hold the same values as, say, the rest of Hollywood, right? He was, a, yeah, he was a little against the grain. Yeah. yeah, another actor that seems to be just like that, who likes to talk to chairs, apparently, is Clint Eastwood. Right, right. You know, so, right. but, but like with Charlton Heston, especially now, you know, and these seventies movies that you used to see. Like these Omega Man and the Planet of the Apes and the Soylent Green and stuff. Yeah. Now, some people may not like that genre. I grew up on this. I love that stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, it. you know, Heston was cool. Heston was cool. Remember, in, uh, I think it was like 1974 or 75, did that uh, Earthquake. Earthquake. Irwin, uh, was that Irwin Allen? I think so. Yeah, it had like this ensemble cast. Uh, George Kennedy's in it, and uh, I think that it, was Erwin Ir- Allen. And uh, did he make I mean, that after um, after uh, the Towering Inferno? Ooh, good question. I don't know. I don't know. I gotta look that up. I think Earth. I think so Earthquake was seventy uh, four. I think. Yeah, I don't see it listed here. Towering Inferno, Poseidon Adventure. Uh, yeah, it might, you know, it might not be, it might not be Erwin Allen, but it was definitely, who in the heck did that one? Now, now you got me going here, <laughs> right. but this is good because you need movie recommendations and I've got a few. That's right. If you're on lockdown, you know, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to check this out here real quick. Yeah. I want to. Earthquake film, Earthquake, 1974. But yeah, Yo. it was like one of those all-star casts. Right, ensemble. Oh, yeah. Uh, directed, produced by Mark Robson. Directed by him with a screenplay by George Fox and Mario Puzo. Mario Puzo, yeah. wow. Yeah. Wow, Mario. But it was it kind of... All those disaster movies were kind of out there. Yeah. Um, and they were the early version of... Here's here's what people don't understand. In the early to late 70s-ish, I want to say, be, pre-George Lucas, before Star Wars. Uh-huh. Okay? There's before Star Wars and after Star Wars. After Star Wars, everything changes because George Lucas has industrial light and magic... He spends all that money on THX and the sound systems in the theater, which then goes into the home, too. You know, so that's after George Lucas. A seismic shift in the cinema experience, if you want to, so to speak. But before that, there were uh, different versions of that sort of thing. So Earthquake was one of those movies that that was in something called Sensorround, which was like... It was like the early versions of THX. Right. So you go to a movie, Earthquake. You go in the theater, Earthquake. I expect to see and hear an earthquake. So they had, like, basically woofers and speakers 
sensor around, you know, around yeah. stuff that you take for granted today, stuff that people have in their homes today. But back in the day when you go see a movie in a theater, they'd want like little crappy speaker up behind the 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 screen, you yeah. know? So all of a sudden yeah. now the sound systems get better and then they have earthquake. Well, we need an earthquake. It's got to be loud and rumbling while you're in the theater. It, it was to attract you to the theater. Again, all before George Lucas came on the scene, did Star Wars and, and you know, now it's a default. Yeah, is that, I know it's like a real game changer, but it kind of reminds me of like the old movies in the 50s, you know, where they'd put the little buzzer things under the seat during yeah, you know, the monster yeah. moves and try to, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, 3D glasses. Uh, Sensoround is a brand name for a process, I, I didn't know this, uh, developed by Serwin Vega. Is it Serwin really? Vega? Yeah, I think so. The speaker uh, yeah. company in conjunction with Universal Studios to enhance the audio experience during the film screenings, specifically for the 1974 film Earthquake. Uh, I mean, as a kid, I went to see the sense around films. So I went to see Earthquake, and then the other uh, big film that came out was Midway in sense right. around. And that was again all star cast, the Battle of Midway. Yep. It's just it's like woofer. It's just having woofers and stuff in the in the theater and and multi. I think it was multi channel. The thundering boom of the artillery, you know. Charlton Heston, Ava Gardner, George Kennedy, Lauren Green, Geneve Bujol. Who who by the way is Geneve Bujol? Uh, wow. Uh, she was going to originally be the captain of Voyager before oh. Kate Mulgrew. Okay. I believe it was her. Yeah, there's a screen test out there, and it just didn't work. Like, Roddenberry, she didn't get along or whatever, and then they ended up with Kate Mulgrew. Gotcha. I was like, let's get that Cagney and Lacey gal. Right, yeah. The, the cool thing about uh, Earthquake was, you know, uh, a late role for Ava Gardner. You know? Oh yeah. Well, that was played... it. That was it. They yeah. always had like at the time in 1974, yeah. the happening sort of. It was all still like Hollywood kind of listers. I don't know A B whatever. Like Heston was definitely like, oh Chuck Heston's in this movie. Okay, he'll be up on the marquee, right? Oh yeah. But they always had like a an older actor. Um, like I'm trying to think of the. Poseidon Adventure, wasn't it? Um, Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, an older act. Um, people are going to know what I'm talking about. Hmm. Um, she's actually the one that was in uh, uh, Lolita, of all things. Um, hmm. I'll tell you who it is, who I'm thinking of. Because I remember her from the Poseidon Adventure, and she was already kind of like playing a, an, an older gal. Shelly Winters. Shelly ah, Winters. Ah, there you go. Because as a kid, yeah. I remember Shelly Winters from the Poseidon Adventure, and she's like kind of like this middle-aged, you know, she was the freaking out middle-aged lady, I think. Uh-huh. The one uh-huh. that they parodied, like you mentioned last time in Airplane, you know? Right, yeah. Um, uh, oh, Pamela Sue Martin was in it. She must have been a kid in that movie. Wow. But anyway, um, yeah, Shelley Winters, you know. And, of course, growing up, it wasn't like, you know, 
mom and dad would be like, oh, sit down. Kids are going to go to movie night. Let's watch a Kubrick film. Clockwork <laughs> Orange or how about Lolita? You know, it's like not subject matter for kids. So I, I didn't see Lolita growing up until yeah. I was an adult. Actually, not 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 that long ago. This is a movie that I hadn't seen. So and it was actually very good. I mean, like, you know, you never can go wrong with a Kubrick film, in my opinion. Uh, uh, but but Shelley Winters is, of course, known known for her role in that. She's creepy. But uh, Richard Roundtree is an earthquake. That's right. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, I know Shaft, right? It's it's like it's like he shows up and he's like, "Damn it! I knew I shouldn't have taken that vacation from New York to L.A." Yeah, shut your mouth! Come on, baby, I'm just talking about her. Oh, oh, here we go. Here's here's your old guy. Here's your old guy. You have Ava Gardner. Oh yeah. But here's here's another one of your older guy actors, the 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 great Lloyd Nolan. Ah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, and then also an earth an earthquake. There is kind of an Easter egg in there. Yeah. And they're in a bar. George Kennedy, you know, he's had a rough day. Kennedy's in always bar. in these movies. And there is a boozy guy at the end, all dressed up, you know, the big butterfly collar, hat askew, and uh, he, he's got his face down on the bar, you know, and uh, someone says something to him, and he lifts his head up, and it's Walter Matthau. Yes. And uh, and I looked in the credits, and they gave him some funky name, so he's uncredited in it. It's just kind of this cameo. Well, I'm like, holy cow, it's Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. You know? And I got to tell you, he, he doesn't make a bad drunk. He's oh, no, right. no, no. He's he's played drunks in other movies. Yeah. Matthau, that yeah. I recall. I can't, I can't think of... He's played a lot of movies. There's a movie I watched... Uh, from the he was in a lot of 60s movies yeah you know yep. it was like always in him and a jack movie, lemon you know yeah well him and jack lemon of course odd couple, odd couple. Front uh page. They, which one uh front page front page yeah yeah. yeah but but he uh i watched a movie uh a while back and he plays a gumshoe that might have been early seventies. Okay. Yeah. What the heck was the name of that movie? That might have been seventies, actually. Hmm. Let me let me take a look here. Was he in Grumpy Old Men? Oh yes, him and him and Jack London. You know, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, uh, number one and number two. Yeah. Grumpy Old Men and Grumpier Old Men. Grumpy Old Men, nineteen ninety three. The Odd right. Couple, sixty eight. Grumpier Old Men. Oh. You know, he was in Dennis the Menace in 1993. See, he was like doing all these movies uh, in the 90s. The yeah, Odd out, Couple, The Odd out, Couple Two. Yep, Out to Sea. 1999 or 1988, The Odd Couple Two. Yeah, I never heard of it. Never yeah. heard of that movie. Now we're talking about Walter Matthau movies. The Fortune Cookie, 1966. Uh-huh. Hops Hopscotch, 1980. Oh. I think this is the movie I'm thinking of. I watched this uh, a while back. It's from 1980. Hop, Hopscotch is a 1980 American spy comedy thriller film. Um, stars Walter Matthau, Glenda Jackson, Sam Waterston, Ned Beatty, and Herbert Lom. Hmm. 
Ned Beatty. Yeah. yeah. The screenplay was written da, 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 da. Uh, based on uh, Brian Garfield's novel of the same name. Former CIA field officer Miles Kendig is intent on publishing an explosive memoir that will also expose the dirty tricks of Meyerson, his obnoxious, incompetent, and profane former boss. Meyerson and Kendig's protege, Joe Cutter, are repeatedly foiled in their attempts to capture the former agent and stop the publication of his memoir. He cleverly stays one step ahead of his pursuers and the chase hopscotches around America and Western Europe. Nice. Yeah, a bunch of filmed on location. Uh... Matthau received a Golden Globe nomination. Wow. And hey, there's a Criterion go. Collection on DVD 2002. And, oh, a 2K Blu-ray in 2017. Hopscotch. There you go. That, that, that was the one movie. That flown underneath my radar. Yeah. Uh, of course, here's a movie I haven't seen in a million years, but came out when I was a kid. I remember going to see it. We love this movie, The Bad News Bears. I loved it, yes. 1976. Was that Jodie Foster, right? Jodie Foster, yeah. A young Jodie Foster. Or it, no, or was it Tatum O'Neill? Ooh, good, good, uh, you know. I kind of want to say Tatum O'Neill. You know what? You might be right about that. Yeah. See, when I yeah, click that. on it, yeah, it was Tatum O'Neill. The Jackie And Earl, Jackie Earl uh, Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. That's right, yeah. Rorschach. Yeah, Rorschach in the uh, in the movie version of the uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah. He's really good. Jack Earl Haley, yeah, not a bad actor at all. Actually, you know what else he's in, which uh, I found online for free. Ah, uh, oh. yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I mean, it just was. You know, sometimes you search yeah. on YouTube and boom, something comes up. Uh. Now we're talking. If you if we want to make a list of really great movies to watch from the seventies, which especially have to do with dis- the future and disaster, because that's kind of how we roll as kids who grew up in the seventies, uh, is uh, Damnation Alley. Oh wow! Oh, it's been years. So good. It, it's such a yeah. bad movie that it's so good. Damn I mean, yeah. and here's the thing. When you take a movie like that, and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you have the stars at George Pappard. Yeah. It's a great cast. Uh, Gene Michael Vincent. Yeah. And Jackie Earl Haley is the kid in that. And I was like, ah, it's Jackie Earl Haley. Coming off uh, a few years after, uh, actually a year or so after he did Bad News Bears. Nice. So he's a kid actor. You know what year that movie came out, Damnation Alley? And I remember when it came out. 76, maybe? 77? 77. So the thing is, is it was playing in all the theaters. I remember as a kid. And I think it was, you know, here's the thing. You're a kid. And they had, like, rated R. And I think that was rated R. Or maybe it was something. So there was movies I couldn't go to as a kid that I wanted to go to. Right. And the only way you could go to those movies is if you had a older siblings usually and then you could sneak in you know yeah yeah they'd they'd put you in a trench coat with a fedora and get one of dad's uh old cigars sticking out and put sunglasses on right they sneak in dad. it's like hey who's yeah. that oh that's uh, uncle jimmy uh he's very short <laughs> yeah. uncle jimmy's very short say hi uncle jimmy 
Come on, Uncle Jimmy. We want to go oh. see Damnation Alley, right? Sounds like Uncle Jimmy's voice is changing. Yes, exactly. So your older siblings would sneak you in. If you had older siblings. Yeah. So, yeah. I had I have older siblings, and they never snuck me in anywhere. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get to sneak into anywhere really. Um, and so, uh, so I I never got to see Damnation Alley when it came out, and it was like, Damnation Alley, and then you had your school chums who would come and go, Yeah, I saw it. Older brother snuck me in. He also snuck in some beers too. <laughs> She's like, right. You're in the seventh grade, dude. Um, but uh, and it would be like, you know, they tell you all about it. It's like, oh, I want to see this movie. Oh, giant spiders attack this dude. Oh man, because they're nuclear, you know. Oh right. man, it's after a big nuclear war thing, man. There's these tornadoes yep. and there's this giant, uh, this giant truck. <laughs> you know, you know, maybe we could go to the drive-through and like maybe look over the fence. We could probably do that. Yeah, me. yeah. Well, that that would be that would be the way to do it. It's like sometimes you get to catch something at the drive-through, um, which is nothing that anyone knows about. Yeah, uh, more. Walter Matha, 1969. Hello, Dolly. Oh. You know, remember okay. that? That was huge. The Sunshine Boys. 1975. Yes. That was uh, George uh, George Burns. Mm, I like right. George Burns. Yeah, like a vaudevillian guys uh, reuniting or something like that. Sunshine Boys. Like two guys in like an old folks home or something re- reuniting on their vaudeville act. You know what? This is the other movie. Okay, so I was telling you about that um, hopscotch movie. Yeah. Like for some reason did a film fest that night that involved Walter Matthau movies that you forgot about or didn't see. Somehow it progressed in that. And it was inspired by, because it was like it was like, watch this movie and then it's like hey, if you like this movie, try this movie. Happens to have Walter Matthau in it. So you know the first movie that I watched that had Walter Matthau in it? And oh, great cast, which then led to the Hopscotch movie was Charade. Oh, okay. 1963 American romantic comedy mystery film uh, directed by Stanley Donnan, written by Peter Stone, uh, starring Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn. The cast also features Walter Matthau, James Colburn, George Kennedy. Wow. Dominique Minot, Ned Glass, and Jacques Marin. It spans three genres, suspense thriller, Romance and comedy. Huh? Yeah. What a powerhouse cast, too. Yeah, the film is notable, especially for its repartee between Grant and Hepburn. When did it, when did Cary Grant not have a repartee with his leading lady? Freaking Cary Grant, man. That was one of the th- that was one of, you know, what makes those guys like a great male actor, like classic actor, great. This is like as a co-star, especially a a woman or love interest or whatever, or yeah. something, you know, and it's a, you come away going, yeah, that works. That couple works. I, I get that thing. Cary Grant was always good. Like, I, I can't I can't think of a time that. I mean, maybe somebody out there could do, but I can't think of a, a movie that I've seen Cary Grant where it's not like the female lead and it's like, oh yeah, Ingrid Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman in Notorious. 
I'm there always, for it, you know. Always solid, yeah. Yeah. Um, is it Eda St. Marie? Is that the one from North by Northwest? Thinks, uh, ooh, I, think I think so, yeah. I think it's Eva St. Marie. You know? I mean, it's like he always has that rapport. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because it's just easy. Like, he walks in and it's like, who's this? I'm Cary Grant. It's like, well, I'm going to have a rapport <laughs> with this guy. <laughs> right. Look at this, man. I'm a huge Cary Grant profile. I, he's just, I don't know. Stylish guy. I like his movies. I like, you know, it's he's just like kind of like one of those ideal dudes from the old days the classic days if you like the classic right you know not right. not like the latter days i mean the classic days like put on a sinatra album have a martini you know he's stylish you know um yeah so charade uh filmed for uh Catherine Hepburn uh, uh Catherine Hepburn Audrey Hepburn although Cary Grant did movies with Catherine Hepburn too which he had great repartee with her those are classics um you know I can't I can't think of Cary Grant without doing that idea Judy 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 you know I don't even know what that's from or anything you know I mean I, I know that yeah. that's a joke but um, I like his, I like, he, he's got some really good, I mean, there, so he did, you know, a couple different things. Of course he did thrillers with Hitchcock, you know, but he, um, North but he by also, Northwest. and earlier, uh-huh. well, even later he would do comedy, romantic comedy, which he was very good at, you know, and his early stuff like black and white when he's younger, uh, he, he's got great like comedic yeah. delivery but yeah. um so there's a lot of funny lines like oh uh over the holidays here's one Cary grant uh kate hepburn uh philadelphia story right that's what it's called right gotcha, yeah yeah great which is Cary grant kate hepburn and jimmy stewart die and jimmy yeah yeah but it's an old movie so it's like they're they're all all three of them are still you know fairly young yeah um and that's a big romantic comedy farce kind of thing i think it was a it was a play before it was made in a movie but um but like there's he's got a lot of good quotes i was gonna say in uh in north by northwest you know like when he's trying to escape the uh, art gallery auction and he runs into Martin Landau, you know, I can't remember. He he has these great lines. There's this is like great lines, and you know, because they the the bad guys keep picking him up, and he, you know, he has that like like James Bond. Yeah. You know, when James Bond gets captured by the bad guys, right? You know, and what does Bond do? He has quips. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you're stylish. Those you don't just get, Well, you don't just get captured. Like in real life, you go, oh my god, ah! No, no, no. He was like, you know, is that a gun in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, this way, Mr. Bond, unless you want to have some permanent air conditioning in your coat. Right. <laughs> you know, some, some behead somebody, uh, he lost his head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so Bond would have those, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so Cary Grant has those in in 
you know, in like uh, North by Northwest. I, as a matter of fact, Cary Grant was uh, somewhat an influence prototype for the film version of James Bond. In fact, I uh-huh. think I think it was Ian Fleming or Broccoli. It was one of those guys that actually wanted Cary Grant to play James Bond. And they were mm. like, why don't we get Cary Grant, man? He'd, he'd be James Bond. Let's let's get him. And I think Cary Grant did not want to be James Bond. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine Cary Grant doing the physical, you know, the fighting and uh, what, what usually happens in a typical... He was a little... He was... Um, by the 60s there, he was getting a little, yeah, older... Yeah, because I don't I don't know how old Connery was when he first picked it up in like '62, but he was still pretty young and spry. And right. Cary Grant, yeah, was definitely getting older. So I, I that might have I think that might have been one of the considerations, you know. But I mean, they, you know, so so those quips. Yeah. So just remember that. When yeah, he, he had those sly one-liners, you know. Yeah. This, you know. <laughs> When bad things happen. Because I know that's the first thing I thought of when I was 17 years old and getting robbed at gunpoint in a gas station. Funny quips I can use right here, right now. (laughs) James, you're late. Where were you? Sorry, I was all tied up. (laughs) No, instead you're shaking going, oh my God, what is happening? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, there's, there's something about those one-liners though being delivered in that, uh, you know, that Scottish, you know, brogue, you know, oh, yeah. at the, at the accent. He was all I was all tied up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a Smith and Wesson. <laughs> yeah, but it would be interesting to see Cary Grant. You, you know, we could do that now. We have it's 2020. We have the technology. I'm waiting for someone to do that. I mean, we're we're pretty much there. Yeah. Like we could take from Russia with love, yeah. take the film, digitally go in it and put Cary Grant in it. Ooh. Instead of Sean Connery. Yeah. We're, yeah. Someone's okay. gonna do that. Eventually, someone's gonna just flat out take a whole movie, recast it with with different different people. You know. Right. Yeah. Dom DeLuise as Blofeld. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Heading the cat, you know. Yes. Oh, oh, he'd be perfect. Well, if you're gonna have Dom DeLuise as Blofeld, heading the cat, you're gonna have Burt Reynolds as uh, as James Bond. Yeah, but he's too American, though. You know. Well, well, I know, but that's that's part of the. Give him some. No, no. You'd use the you'd use the deep fake, which is what they use to put the face on someone. And so it would be Burt Reynolds, but with Sean Connery's voice. It's still, you wouldn't change the voice out, right? Deep fake, guys. Check it out. Do this. Take a scene from James Bond. Make, uh, make James Bond be Burt Reynolds and make uh, uh, Blofeld be uh, uh, Dom DeLuise. That's awesome. Yeah. And put the hat on, put the hat on Burt Reynolds, too. Have him oh, wear sure. the hat. The whole smoky, in the, you know, the whole... And, then, you know, you could have, uh, I don't know, one one of the ladies, like Ursula Endress or whatever, be Sally Field, you know? Right, right. Oh, 
course, then again, both you know, like in those uh, Cannonball Run movies, they had the Jack Elam, you know, yeah. the macabre-looking guy. We got to fit him in somewhere, you know. Oh, Charade is Charade is referred to has often been referred to as the best Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock never made. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one though. It's a good one. It has the and it has all you know, cloak and dagger and all that and and uh, yeah, Walter Matthau is in it. He's he's like kind of on the trail of of them and yeah, that was an enjoyable watch. But then there's Earthquake, Incense Around. That's probably on Blu-ray or DVD or something in TH or you know the surround. It's got to be. Yeah, I watched it not too long ago on the. It was on the. Oh, you did. Yeah. That's why the, you mentioned not, it. Not pay-per-view, but on demand. It was. It was on there. Yeah. That. So here's what I'm doing, and here's what I suggest everyone do, and this is a good thing, right? Okay. Um. Free movies on the internet. And no, I'm not talking about free movies. The bad, free movies. the bad stuff. I'm talking about the good stuff. So, like I was talking, like I just okay. I've been going up to this 2B TV thing. Yes. They got uh-huh. a lot of movies up there. Oh yeah. So now I'm getting in the habit. If if there's a movie I think of like Earthquake, they don't have it up there. I'll just type it in, and see if they've got it. Because there's movies that popped up. There was a movie that popped up. Uh, a movie I've never seen, and I was listening to a podcast, a movie podcast thing, and they were talking about this movie. It's um, Robert De Niro, and it's about the film business. Hmm. And it was made like 10 years ago, I want to say. Never heard of it. And the guy was going, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a movie based on a novel about the film, film business. I'll tell you what it is. It's on the Tubi. I was like, I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what it is here. Um, I watched Mean Street. Now, Mean Streets was on Netflix a while back. Um, let's see. I just... Maybe it was... I don't know if it got good reviews or whatever. Uh, God, Wag the Dog. I haven't seen that one in a long time. I've been lo- I've been looking at that forever because there's sometimes when it, it stuff's in the news and it seems so prescient. Hey, and Google. Like, hey, Google, here's a good idea. When you say, look at the movies, put them in chronological order. Is that it? This might be it. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. <sighs> no, it's not in chronological order. What? Sure, just mix it up. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, the last uh, episode we did, and so last night I was kind of in a Coen Brothers mood. Oh, yeah. I uh, finally saw the uh, Hudsucker Proxy. Yes. Is that uh, on and, Netflix? Is that on Netflix? Uh, no, I saw, I saw it on demand. There's a Comcast on demand. Because some, you know what's weird? Somebody else watched it in my Facebook just like the other day and was posting about it. They had never yeah. seen it. But yeah, I thought so it was that, like on Netflix or something. 
Yeah, that's one that slipped right by me. Fantastic movie. We, yeah, we talked about that one, didn't we? And mm-hmm. it kind of, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee does like a killer Kate Hepburn. Right, right yeah. Like it, it's totally that kind of, it's set in that whole, time period. And the whole yeah. movie is like an homage to like those mm-hmm. old movies from like, yeah. you know, the late, like the 40s. I guess it would be early to mid 40s, probably not the late 40s because the war was going on. But uh, um, Jennifer Jason Lee, she had that patois down. Yeah, down, yeah, yeah. Uh, down pat yeah she has yeah it was really really good it's it's fun watching that movie just for for that charles durning he's in it yeah charles durning and paul newman of course yeah Yeah. um and tim robbins the great i like i'm a huge fan of tim robbins uh one of my favorite movies is the player oh yeah oh that's a good movie um here's the movie right here and it's up on Tubi TV, or it was when I checked it out. It's called What Just Happened. Hmm. And I just somebody brought it up in a podcast. It's a Barry Levinson movie. Well, it's got three stars on IMDb, but it's a Barry Levinson movie. He makes good movies, you know. Yeah. Um, 2008 American satirical comedy drama directed by Barry Levinson starring Robert De Niro. Uh, has Catherine Keener, like her. Robin Wright Penn, I do like her. Stanley Tucci, like Stanley Tucci. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Tucci, your table is ready. That's a quote from a friend who lived in New York. Was in New York. Was in it, going into a restaurant. Yeah. And 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 heard and heard the maitre d come out and go, Mr. Tucci, your table was ready. And all of a sudden, turn around and here's Stanley Tucci walking by. It's like, oh, it's Mr. Tucci. <laughs> I think he's a priority guest in this That's restaurant here in New York. Uh, Moon Blood Good and Sean Penn. Uh, it's an independent movie. It's based on the book, What Just Happened. Uh, Bitter, Bitter Hollywood Tales from the Frontline by Art Linson. About his experiences as a producer in Hollywood. So it's like a Hollywood expose kind of movie. Um, I've never seen that movie. And you know what? It's on Tubi TV for free. There you go. So I just typed it in. And uh, sometimes when Google's being nice, it'll it'll pop up. Uh, you put in a movie and it'll say where you can watch it. Oh, Google TV, iTunes or whatever. And it's like Tubi TV. So I was like, I can watch this for free. And I've never seen this movie. Right. Um. Now you still haven't seen Miller's Crossing yet, though. No, I. I, I it's the uh, next movie you got to see. I, I've been trying to get it, and uh, it just, I just can't find it anywhere. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's weird. I got, I got it on my list, though. As soon as, 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 soon as it shows up, it'll, it'll ding me and tell me. So, uh, so you like the Hudsucker Proxy? Fantastic movie, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of just like they do. It's kind of like their throwback to movies of that era. Yeah. Like they they re redo it. Is it the one where he keeps going like, you know, it's for kids, right? You know, <laughs> is that line? You know, it's for kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have the little hula hoop poster, mm-hmm. and down below it says, 
you know, it's for kids. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. It takes place, uh, does the movie take place at the stock market crash? Was that it? No, it's uh, 1958. Oh, okay. So it's set yeah. in in that period. New York City, 1958. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we, so we got your, your, uh, your Hud proxy, a Coen Brothers film. We got your Earthquake, which I haven't seen in a long time. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Now, you just watched Earthquake recently. When I was a kid, I was excited to go see it because it was, and it was always Earthquake in Cent. Oh wait, I gotta <laughs> Earthquake in Censoround. I mean, it it was always like that, like quite literally. Yeah, they throw the echo on in the trailer. Pan- Panavision, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, I was excited to go see it. I liked Towering Inferno, which was different, you know. Uh, that was... Poseidon Adventure. Uh, yeah, that was Erwin Allen. Earthquake wasn't, but it was still kind of in that genre, even yeah. though it was different people, still kind of in that all-star cast. Bad things Ooh. happen. People got to yeah. do stuff, you know. Right. Also, remember this, uh, Airport 77. Yes. Well, and the original Airport. Right. Now, that's a movie, the original Airport... Actually, both those original, which, of course, is the basis for airplane movies, um, are the movies I haven't seen in a million years. And I remember when I was a kid watching the original airport late night on the movie of the week. They'd always have the yeah. movie of the week. A lot of these movies I saw as the movie of the week. Right. Yeah, KPTV or something like that? No, it was ABC. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's usually ABC. All right. Movie of the week, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think N- so. NBC, right? ABC. The, ABC? I thought it was like NBC movie of the week. No, I think it was ABC. You know why? You know what NBC had? Mm. Like Columbo and stuff like that. Oh. Didn't they? That was uh, that was them, right? Yeah. That wasn't CBS. NBC had the mystery mystery movie night thing. And I think that's where Columbo came from. That all these different Shows. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker came from that. Love that. Yeah. Like they were like mini. They were movies. Six yeah. million dollar man was a, a, a movie. Three made for TV movies before they did the series. So they'd have like a thing, like a two hour movie, like Glenn A. Larson presents Six Million Dollar Man or whatever. Right. And it was be a two hour movie, and then people would go, "Hey, it got good numbers. People really dig that Six Million Dollar Man." Let's make another TV movie, and then finally it's like, let's turn that thing into a series, you know? Right. I mean, Majors. Yeah, I mean, I think they were kind of high budget. Like, Kolchak the Night Stalker. I think it was like right. NBC Mystery Movie. I think that was what it was. Yeah. Yeah, the NBC NBC Mystery Movie. That's fantastic. Uh is an umbrella title of an American television series produced by Universal Studios. It was broadcast on NBC from 71 to 77. At times, it was divided into two versions that were broadcast concurrently. NBC Sunday Mystery Movie and the NBC Wednesday Mystery Movie. So I think it's the Sunday one. It was probably... The, yeah. I think the ABC one was maybe Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Um... Wheel show and bellow program. Duh, 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 duh. Who came out of this? Okay, here we go. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, three original series. Okay, McCloud, starring Dennis Weaver. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, Columbo, starring Peter Falk. Gotta love it. So Columbo came out of the mystery movies. Macmillan and Wife, which was actually oh. pretty good, which was Rock Hudson and Susan St. James. Uh, Heck Ramsey, starring Richard Boone. Really? A forensic uh, gunfighter turned forensic frontier forensic detective in the Old West. The piece was a wheel series and was produced by Jack Webb. Really? For, frontier forensic. Oh, you're going to love this. Well, look what else. This was, a, this was one that I liked. Banachek with George oh. Pappard. Uh, insur- he was an insurance investigator in Boston. Oh, he's like, it was like, yes, I'm a, you know, insurance investigator who comes on big crimes and murders and stuff. You know, it would always be something like that. Cool Million starring James Farentino as a former CIA agent. Mm-hmm. Madigan starring Richard Widmark. Richard Widmark, excellent. Uh, Faraday and Company starring Dan Daly. I don't know. Tenafly starring James McEachin. The Snoop Sisters. Oh, the Snoop Sisters starring Helen Hayes and Mildred Natwick. Helen Hayes. Helen Hayes is... Helen Hayes, correct me if I'm wrong, is the lady in Airplane. She's the old lady in Airplane, I think. I believe so, yeah. Uh-huh. The elderly lady is like, wow, I got to crash in the plane. Oh, it's okay. Uh-huh. Old lady... Uh, thank god it's not 2020 old lady Um, yeah McCoy Quincy starring Jack Klugman Jack Klugman yeah Uh, oh this is a good one Lanigan's Rabbi about a small town police chief Art Carney and his best friend a rabbi and amateur sleuth Bruce Solomon that's awesome a lot of these were books so Columbo, McLeod, Friday. Oh, here we go. The Friday Night Mystery Movie. Uh-huh. Uh, in the fall of 1993. Oh, look at it. Oh, we should say, R.I.P. McShane starring Kenny Rogers as a gambler uh, turned house detective to pay his debts. McShane. R.I.P. Kenny Rogers has just passed That's away. Right. Heart to heart. This was the fall of 93. Heart to Heart, a revival Rob- starring Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers. That's right, yeah. Uh, Larry Hagman. Oh. The Cosby Mysteries, starring Bill Cosby. Mm. Uh, Perry Mason was revived. Uh, Raymond Burr, yeah. Just, yeah. I was. Yeah, the weird thing is, I thought Kolchak was a spinoff of one of these. But I mean, he could have just. You know what? Uh, it may not have been a spinoff, but it, I, I believe it was a standalone, you know, mystery movie, Kolchak. You know what I mean? Two hour yeah. TV movie, and people were like, hey, we like that. How about have more of that, you know? Right, yeah. But the ABC. I think yeah. it was, whoa! background noise <laughs> it was like yeah it was like uh it, that was a cold check moment right there right yeah 
You know, uh, fifth caller to call in and describe what you just heard at 503-395-5040 wins exactly two things. You ready? Jack and Squat. Okay, it was ABC Movie of the Week. Uh-huh. And it had, I don't know if I could, I could play it. You know, because it had this really iconic intro with ABC all neon and stuff and this, like, drumming and music. You know what I'm talking about. The mm-hmm. cool font. Here it mm-hmm. is. ABC Movie of the Week. That's where a lot of these these um, these movies come from. The ABC Movie of the Week was a weekly television anthology series featuring made-for-TV movies, uh, made-for-TV movies that aired on the ABC network in various permutations, 69 to 75. Same thing, NBC movie, mystery movie, ABC movie of the week, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still I still think that they um, they played other other movies too, like first-run movies. Okay, so the ABC movie of the week, uh, series pilot, and it would be like, okay, so here's... Here's what was brilliant about this back in the day of television uh, movie making. They would greenlight a pilot uh-huh. from a series. Well, the thing is, is you had to dump a bunch of millions of dollars to make the pilot TV, you know, get the actors, right. you know, get the sets, do the filming, do the editing, all that stuff. Okay. Well, that costs a lot of money. So that's like a, what, like a sunk cost or whatever. It's Now, you make the pilot. And then the executives look at it and go, eh, we don't like it. We don't think it's going to work. Cancel it. You may never see the pilot. And you just lost all that money. Or maybe they show the pilot. A lot of these were like to show pilots and then see if people watched and if they liked it. And then it was almost like kind of a test market. So ABC, Mystery uh, Movie of the Week, Kung Fu. Oh, Carradine. The Six Million Dollar Man, as I said before. Three movies before they turn that into a series, which is on Tubi TV, by the way. The first one is not, though. I wish the first one was on there. It was the second and the third one and then the the start of the first few seasons. I don't know if all the seasons were in there, Uh, which was unfortunate because I wanted to see the original pilot, but that was not on Tubi. Uh, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, yeah. David Soul. Longstreet, Toma, Alias Smith and Jones. Get Christy wow. Love. Marcus Welby. Okay, movie of the week. Uh, Marcus Welby, MD? Yeah, I guess so. That's uh, Rob, uh, Robert. Uh, it, was, it was the guy in. Uh, oh, come on, Robert I, Anderson? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, uh, Robert Young. Robert guy, Young. The guy who... Right. Uh, Father knows best, right? Yeah, drank too much coffee. And we won't go into his personal life, actually. It's kind of sad. Um, Marcus Welby, yeah. Wasn't happy. Let's just put it that way. Um, Earth 2. Robert Earth? Conrad. Another guy who just... Passed away How about a few Black weeks Street, ago. Man. Oh yeah, that was ABC, oh, yeah. I believe. Yeah. That right. was must boy as a kid, man. Well, if Robert well. Conrad was in a show as a kid, like it was mandatory. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't come to school and hang out with your friends. Like, did you watch it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I watched it, man. 
Yeah. I, mean, I liked it in later years. They had it on, it's like every Saturday. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just, I sit there glued to the TV. Oh, yeah, they had it. Yeah. Had it in reruns, had it in reruns. Uh, I, I, I remember watching it when it was first run on t- I mean, it was literally like, and it was like Tuesday nights. In fact, I think I posted this on my Facebook when he when he died. It was like, oh no, man! It was like me and my friends. It was like, gotta watch it, you know. Um, and you know, I grew up watching uh, Wild Wild West in reruns. So, sure. you'd be watching Wild Wild West on rerun TV every day, and then you'd have Bob Bob Black Sheep, Jim West, Jim West kicked butt. Oh yeah, Jim West, man. Uh, yeah. So there were all these, all these shows. Still don't see Kolchak, but yeah. I thought I thought it was tied to one of these types of shows. It, yeah, it's all it's all in that era, you know. Uh, even the even the shows that weren't like the made in the movies, like you know, uh, Mannix. Yeah. Or, or Cannon, my, that's my favorite, hands down, Frank Cannon. There, Cannon there's something, yeah. yeah, there's something purely magical about uh, uh, Robert Conrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, giving a judo chop to somebody. <laughs> a William Conrad, it's, sorry. No, I yeah, mean, Robert guy, Conrad. Yeah, not Robert Conrad, William Conrad. William Conrad, yes. yeah. And it's, it's great, man, because he, you know, he does, he Robert, tries to fight. Robert Conrad thin, uh, 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 spry, uh, wily sort of fighter can, you don't, uh, guy you'd never want to get in a fight with. Right. Because you're just like, you know you're going to lose to Robert Conrad. William Conrad, <laughs> just start running. you probably outrun him. You'll be okay. Right. Unless he gets in his Cadillac and drives and chases you down. But you know? if, you, if you get in any sort of uh, range with him, I mean, he's judo chopping you. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I, I love the judo chop. My, you, the, the wife can't stand it. She thinks it's phony as heck, you know. Because you're right. I mean, all you got to do is take one step to the right, and, and, and William Conrad's still, you know, oh, he's out of breath trying to find you. Yeah. But uh, but but in in his in his show, man, he he lays down the kung fu action. Can you slow down? Cool. Excuse me, Sonny. Can you slow down? I'm a little short of breath here. <laughs> Cut. Cut, cut. Yeah. You know. uh, I, I, I'll ha- have you know that on the MeTV website, right. where you can where you can buy all the swag and different sort of stuff, they have a Frank Cannon T-shirt. Oh yeah, oh, I, I, I like it. that. I like what they do there. They have like cool stuff on there. I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing. Talking about free, if you want to watch this stuff for free, it's on that MeTV, which you can get over the air and. You could probably get some sort of streaming or something, but you can. Oh, me TV is for sale. The domain, so I guess that's not it. It's probably metv.com. Probably. I was looking at me.tv, which someone probably just. And of course, on there on. you also get uh, Sven Gulli too. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff, oh, Star Trek and all that. Uh, yeah. I thought they were. Oh, look, you can get a Barney Fife t-shirt. Oh, that's... Star Trek t-shirt. Yeah. Twilight Zone. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sven Gulli. Yeah, okay. Um...
collections. Oh, yeah. Me TV, classic brands, pullover hoodie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cool. Classic television shirts. That's awesome, yeah. Um, Andy Griffith show. Okay, the Barney Fife is pretty good. A it's, just a, it's just kind of a black t-shirt with a black and white cutout of his face. Like doing right. the Barney Fife, like oh, uh, that 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 I could I could see the Barney Fife. Oh, I could either. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, Barney's I, universal. Yeah. Andy, whatever. But no, no, the Barney Fife, I could, I could, I could do. You do a little Don Knotts. They got a lot of Andy Griffith. Jeez. Um. Trying to see if they got anything else. Oh, they got Batman. They got Robin. Batman. Oh, those aren't too bad. Hot oh, Batman t-shirt's not too bad. Hmm. Anyway. Um, now they got a lot of classic Batman stuff. So you know what? Uh, here's a big movie that came on that ABC that we all watched and came oh. out. It was a big deal. Steven Spielberg's Duel. Starring Dennis Weaver. Yes. Uh, the, the the movie that the movie that put Steven Spielberg on the map as a director. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how old he was. He was pretty young. He was just a young dude, young dude director. Um. And it's Dennis Weaver. Uh, who he was, he was like a kind of a. You know, he did a whole... Dennis Weaver always was doing stuff back in the oh, 70s. Yeah. Now, see, when yeah. I was growing up, it was always weird for me to see Dennis Weaver doing stuff because here's the thing. He was always the dad in Gentle Ben. Remember oh, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gentle yeah, yeah. Ben. And the kid, Clint Howard. Yes, a young Clint Howard. Clint Howard. Apparently, he was at uh, the Star Trek convention last year. And was meeting and hanging out with people. Really? Oh, oh yeah, God. I would have been like, and everyone was like, "His guy, dude's really cool, dude's dude's tell it." You know, because he was he was in a Star Trek episode, original series, as a little little kid. God, he was tiny, little. I don't know how old he was when he did it. He was, um, Balak. I think so. Yeah. The car, the carbonite maneuver. I think it's called. But anyway, um, so he goes to Star Trek conventions. But yeah, but Dennis Weaver was the dad uh-huh. driving that funky boat in the Everglades. And then they had Clint, Clint Howard as a kid and a big freaking bear. <laughs> and you're like, ben. yeah, you know, and at the time you're a kid. That was a bad show to show to kids. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's gentle Ben. It's just a bear. It's Gentle Ben. Yeah, how how many kids during that uh, time frame went to, like, some national park? Oh, look, it's a bear. Uh-huh. It's like Gentle Ben. Oh, it's so nice. And the bear takes off your arm, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's like it took, it took years for Werner Herzog to put the kibosh on that. It's like, let's talk about grizzly men. It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. okay. Bears are not... Bears are not things you want to hang out with. Animals. They're animals. They're natural. But 
bears and human beings, they should have social distancing. Ah. Like cougars and human beings should have social distancing. Right. Especially if you're a young man on spring break. Um, anyway. Because <laughs> you know there's a lot of cougars out on spring break. <laughs> oh, there are. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, you and know there's there... something that I've never seen before, and I, I don't know if it exists. <laughs> but they tried to tell me that there's some magical animal, animal out there called MILFs. Oh, okay. I don't know. Cougars. Hey-oh! Oh, my gosh. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> when a middle-aged man says, there's something I haven't seen before, it's like you go, oh, no, 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 no. Right. Don't no, tell us. Go in there. Please. Uh, uh, so back to uh, Earthquake. <laughs> yeah, this is family-friendly. Now, Earthquake, uh... Poseidon Adventure. See, these are all good ones. Uh, here, here, here would be my my list of pot boiler, as they would say, disaster movies. Airport, which yeah. I think is 1970, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, which George Kennedy is great in that movie. That's Rock Hudson, right? Rock Hudson's the. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, poor Rock Hudson, man. It was sad what happened to him because um, he was a heck of a leading guy. You know, he was. You know, right? Yeah. And um, to, I mean, I mean, he was courageous. He was courageous, you know, for yeah. coming out at the same time um, during the the AIDS crisis. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, which, wow, can we all relate now? Um, right. So, yeah. So, airport. Poseidon Adventure, which I think it was 69, something like that. A Towering Inferno. Earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, Midway. Again, these were all star casts. All, you know, Earthquake and Midway were sensed around. These are all movies uh, that, that I would see as a kid. And um, and then if you want to go post-apocalyptic, you, you start to get into your Damnation Alley. Oh, yeah. Um... And, and Damnation Alley's not a Hitchcock film. It's not North by Northwest. It's not. It's not. It's not a Kubrick film. Okay. It's it's not Kubrick film. Yeah. It's it's not. Uh, you're not going to deem it high art, but it has George Papard in it. And Gene Michael Vincent, when he's young, man, he passed away just a while back. You remember? Um, he was always good as the young whippersnapper kind of guy. Right. right. You know? Uh, Let's see. A good post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie? Which I think, and it's total sci-fi, I mean, yeah, Damnation Alley, but, like, takes place in space. Mm -hmm. Silent Running. Oh, yeah. Bruce Stern. They're out in space. And the reason, this is a good one, too, because the whole reason they're out in space is cl- basically climate change like the earth like got ruined and so they take these big space arcs out there with like forests and tr- ecosystems out in space because to save it to reserve it from the earth yeah which scientifically if you think about that whole thing you're like you know so maybe maybe the guys are out there in space with 
So like they, they go into a dome, like he goes into a dome and there's like a forest and rabbits and Joan Baez music playing, literally. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and PDQ Bach, because the guy who did PDQ Bach wrote the score. Um, and this is a Doug, Douglas Trumbull movie, by the way. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, early Star Wars, all that stuff. Great, the great uh, visual effects guy, Douglas Trumbull. But right. uh, So maybe when they're out there in space doing that stuff, Bruce Dern and doing all that, uh, back on Earth it's like George Pard and Damnation Alley uh-huh. with these super hurricanes and storms after, you know. Right. Cheering people up, I know. It's weird. I'm just kind of I I like that kind of thing, and it is kind of weird. I mean, it, I guess you could watch comedies, but yeah. I mean, I did, I did, what the heck? I did watch um, uh, UHF. I think we talked about that last time, didn't we? Weird Al, yeah, Weird, weird Al. Al. So you can find UHF on Tubi. Mm-hmm. A lot of good funny ones. You remember the original, and we talked about Fridays. Oh, God, there it is. UHF, man. Um, there's tons of movies on the Tubi. Comedy, whatnot. And it's all free, man. I mean, it's like... Love it. So type in a movie and see if it's there. Especially right now if you're hunkered down, you know? Um, oh, speaking of free, I did want to mention this. Remember that Star Trek show? You know that Star Trek show? Yeah. You know that one that's playing now? Actually, the season finale is, like, tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I I think they drop them at midnight, so the reviews will start coming in. Yeah, that Star Trek show, Star Trek Picard now. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It's Mm. free, baby. It's free. Yeah, after all the people have been paying for it to watch it each week. Oh. And I just held out i was just like yeah you know i'll wait and see like like if if that show got really really good reviews from people i uh i kind of trust as reviewers uh-huh. who at least at least have the, my similar taste in star trek not all i mean some people liking it you know then i would probably jumped on to watch it but based on the reviews yeah. And and again, this is my experience after watching two seasons of the other new Star Trek show, which yeah. I was thoroughly did not like. I mean, it just, which is sad. Good cast, bunch of special effects, but it was just like, you know, I, I, I've been rewatching Enterprise on Netflix again, and it's just like, and I know a lot of people did not like that show. Go rewatch Enterprise if you have Netflix. Go watch it. Just give it a rewatch. See if you like it any better not every episode in star trek is great but you know i still liked it but anyway so you can go sign up right now on the cbs all access and you can watch all of that for free like you don't have to pay yeah i guess it's probably a trial or something like i think it's one month free or whatever i gotta look it up there's other CBS stuff. There's other Star Trek up there too. But if you have Netflix or whatever, you got that. Yeah. CBS All Access free. I'll tell you what the terms are. CBS All Access is offering a free one month trial just in time to binge Star Trek Picard. You know, 
So there you go. And the season finale is tomorrow. Uh-huh. So my plan was to see how it goes, see what the reviews are, and then maybe sign up and watch it. You know, give my, I mean, kind of at the point where I'm such a Star Trek fan, it's like, okay, even if it's not so good, I should at least watch it once, I guess. Yeah. You know, but boy, oh boy, I just don't like a lot of new Star Trek. Oh. Um, so, I mean, I liked our, our Star Trek better. Our Star Trek Picard was way better. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there you go. I, you have to give them your credit card, right? Yeah. I think. But, you know, obviously it's free, so you can go and... I don't know what the terms are, but I think, you know, you could go watch stuff and then cancel it. The, the sad thing about the whole streaming thing is, first of all, a show like that, they, they dumped... You know, the budget, they dumped a ton of money in that, which is to get their fledgling streaming service going yeah. next to Netflix, Amazon, right. uh, Hulu, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Well, those are the newcomers, right? Disney Plus and CBS. Yeah. And the thing is, is what we're hearing. I'm just saying what we're hearing out there. And none of them publish exact numbers. And if they publish numbers, like most companies do, they, well, you know, you want to make investors happy. You want to show good trends. You're actually supposed to be full disclosure with investors. I'm not saying anybody's doing anything, but I'm just saying you want to kind of, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, so kind of what we're hearing is, for example, Disney Plus. What blew up there on Disney Plus? Well, there's a bunch of. If you, it, I, I've said this before. If you have little kids, and you oh, like yeah. the old classic Disney movies, Disney Plus is great for you. Go get it. Uh-huh. I mean, if you grew up with those Disney movies like I did, you know the Herbie the Love Bug and all those movies and stuff, and the animation and Snow White. It's all there. Go for it. Right. Um. Uh, but if you know if that's not working, or you already got those on disc or whatever it is, then maybe not. You don't have little kids, maybe not. Maybe nostalgia or not. But the thing that blew up on Disney Plus is they launched it with the Mandalorian TV show, and pretty much hands down, yeah. And there's some people, but mostly the consensus was everybody loved that show. Oh yeah, I. I saw the trailer for it, and it looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. And then I waited, and I heard the first review or so of it, and they were positive. And I can't remember. I think I was like two episodes in or whatever, maybe. I didn't think I got right away. And then it was like it broke the dam. I was like, oh, I got to sign up for this. Check it out. You know. And they gave you a one-week trial. So I did that, saw the man, first few episodes of Mandalorian, gave it a thumbs up. You know, loved it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I was happy. I got it. So that was Disney Plus. Well, now the Mandalorian's over. Unless you want to watch those old movies or whatever, they do have the Clone War animated series that went on there. Right. Um. I should probably watch that. I did watch some of that. It was it was pretty good. But you got to be real hardcore Star Wars fan. Let's get in the weeds. There's good stories in there that kind of explain a lot of stuff. If you really want to understand the Star Wars world, you know, the Clone Wars were good. It was on Netflix for 
a few years and you could binge watch all the seasons. So that's on there. I have to look and see what's going on with that. Maybe I should check that out. I, I'm not, haven't been all that, at that much excited about the Clone Wars stuff. I'm more excited about live action Star Wars like the Mandalorian. Right. Um, so, you know, the subscribership, is it, are they sustaining a good subscribership? You got to put tons of new content. And then Mandalorian Season 2 is coming out sometime next year. Okay. So then CBS, they got like I Love Lucy and all these old shows. Yeah. Do you want to sign up for that? I don't know. You know, if you don't have Netflix, uh, you could go there to watch Star or Star Trek. I don't know if Hulu has Star Trek on it. Probably not. Probably Netflix. Right. Um, Or Amazon in some other countries. So really, you wouldn't sign up to just watch old Star Trek. Like I said, if you got Netflix, lots of people have Netflix. You watch any episode from any of the previous series. Right. Um, so, so you go on there, and then they got the new Star Treks. Well, if you don't like the new Star Treks, then you're kind of going to be like, oh, I don't know, why why am I here? Cancel, you know? And now, you, right. so then they do the Picard. He's a big deal in Star Trek, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now they got it. And eh, people are like, ah, huh, ah, huh, ah. Huh. You know, I mean, part of the problem, I think, and again, actors cast acting is best than it's ever been. I think actors today are really, really good. I've seen a lot of movies and shows that I knew ones that I did not like that. I was like, this is horrible. The story doesn't work, the script or whatever. But then I'm like, but the actor's doing a real good job with what they're working with. Yeah. You know? It's funny. It's like a lot. Of, there's a lot of actors. The actors in the Star Trek Discovery show, I like them. I just wish it would have was a better Star Trek show. I like them actually. I have nothing wrong with the actors. It's like, hey, they're all really good. I really wish this were more a Star Trek show story thing that I would like better. You right. know? Yeah. Um. So you know, with Picard, well, you got. You got him, you know, you got uh, Patrick Stewart. And they did bring Jerry Ryan, seven of nine, and oh. she's doing good. But, you know, there's where else is everybody else, you know? Again, where's jo- Okay, yeah, they had a scene, an episode with a scene with old Riker and old Troy. I shouldn't say that, old Troy. But... Old Troy. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I mean, I mean, elegant, uh, stunning, uh, mature. Deanna Troy, an old go. Riker. You can say that about the guy. Okay, so they have that, and 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 the the reviews that I've heard, even the more you know, the people generally who don't like it. The one thing they said that episode when they had the reunion with Troy and Riker, that was a highlight in the show. Like they were yeah. like, I liked that part because it was like that was cool. That gave me because what happens all of a sudden you get the next generation vibe. You're putting the band back together again. You know, and that's right. the problem. If you really want to blow the roof off, you got ten episodes, which isn't a lot. Yeah, you got all these new characters, and again, good actors. The captain apparently is really good. He's got some interesting stuff, and from what I've seen in the reviews, that's a character you'll like. Uh, so the captain of the ship, he's he's got his ship, and then he's got his helpers, and his helpers are all holograms of him. With different personalities. 
like get the weapons guy online and it's like a dude who comes online and it's it's a hologram of him like it's real narcissistic but people are saying it's really cool it's cool concept cool character the guy who plays that character is cool okay that's great that's cool you know i'll probably like that too and i'll probably like the Riker that whole reunion part right but but again you gotta have get the band back together again right it's like when you see a reunion tour with a band you really liked when you were young sure and it's like the bass player of that band and everyone else in the band is somebody different well it's like Van Halen right I didn't want to go there but that's what I was thinking or, or Deep Purple, for God's sakes, you know? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, on one of these critic shows that I watched to get the updates on how these shows are doing, should I watch them or not, somebody actually brought up in one of these streams, it was like, well, you know, I'm kind of weird. I actually liked uh, the Van Halen when they uh, got uh, uh, Hagar. And I was like, yeah. ooh, ooh. That's, that's some controversial stuff there. I know people. I know some people do. Okay, I'm sorry. That's when I check. And here's the thing: I like Tagar beforehand, Van Halen. Mm-hmm. I like Van Halen. Mm-hmm. But when the two got together, you know, and I do, I do get it. I know, I know. Was it fifty-one fifty? Was that their record? That that was their first one. Yeah. With Tagar. Yeah, I mean, there was that one song that was with the keyboards, and and the whole thing is Eddie wanted to get in the keyboards, which is fine, you know? Oh, right now, yeah. Right now, yeah. I mean, to me, it was just like, I remember when I heard that, and it was like, okay, this is Van Halen. It's like, that's not Van Halen. <laughs> Everything I've heard up to that point, that's not Van Halen. Yeah, 1984, I get it. Keyboards, jump, uh, you know. Yeah. But you had to have a little of the crazy in it, too. You had to have the David Lee Roth, the crazy pants part of it. Okay, right. keyboards, but woohoo, you know? Right, because, you know, if you got, you got uh, jump, right, keyboards, then, then they, uh, they go the other way, Panama, and then my personal favorite, Top Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Drop Dead Legs. Yeah, there you go. That's a great album. Yeah. Uh, House of Pain. Is that on there? Is that on there? That was like an exclusive. There was a thing going on Twitter about like tracks that you didn't know about that were like demos or exclusives to like albums that you never heard yeah. before. It involved the police actually. Some conversation with someone on Twitter who was like a track that I'd never heard before. It's weird. Uh, bands would put like additional or B sides of singles. B sides of singles. Yeah, that you wouldn't hear here in America. Yeah. They would stick them on like the Japanese release yeah. or uh, European, you know, some European release. Yeah. And so you'd have a song that you've never heard before. I mean, it's, right. you know, and so it was like that. It was like that Easter egg thing. You gotta go out and buy it, you know, just to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but like, uh, uh, yeah, was it Drop Dead? Like, one of those tunes, or House of Pain. Is that on there? Is that on that? What one of them I remember on 1984 uh, was uh, um, was like a some old B side to one of their earlier albums. I mean, it wasn't like they they wrote it, but um, it never it never 
Yeah, House of Pain. I think it was House of Pain, I think. There was like some B-side from Van Halen too, and they never put it on the record. Right. And then they just said, hey, remember, remember House of Pain? Oh, okay. That's a good one. But, yeah, I... Okay, so here's what they should have done. I guess they're kind of like Picard, you know? Yep, House of, House of Pain. Uh, let's yeah. see, uh, the opening little 1984 ditty, then jump, Panama, top yeah. Jimmy, drop dead legs, hot for teacher. Yep. Uh, I'll wait. Girl Gone Bad, and then House of Pain. Yep. There you go. And every band did Panama. Yep. Panama. Yeah. Yeah. I did this thing once. It's hard to explain. It involved a company and then playing in a band and doing stuff. And it's like, can we play Panama? It's like, okay. It was like, all of a sudden he breaks into it and I'm playing the drums. It's like, Dude, you you know it really well, and it's like we used to play it every night in the bar. <laughs> it was on our set list, dude. Oh, yeah. I know it. Yes, I know Panama. It's on the set okay. list. So I, I got a question for you: Who would shout out more, Panama or Freebird? Or Freebird? <laughs> yeah, you know some drunk guy in the quarter. Hey. Play Freebird. I don't know. I mean, see, I think yeah, after dinner, 1984, yeah. it was Panama. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more of that sort of thing. But. Um, and what band was that again? I don't know. Wasn't it like uh, Tokyo? Something like that? Yeah. No, I think it was Beijing. <laughs> Beijing. Seoul. <laughs> right. Uh, oh. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So 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 what Van Halen should have done. Follow me on this. Okay. Eddie is like, ooh, you know, music, music, music. Nothing wrong with that. He's a great musician. So what he does is, um. Van T- Halen takes a break after 1984. They're sounding good. They're at the top of their game. Take a little break. Okay? Solo projects. Go off and do solo projects. Right. Eddie Van Halen, go do a... Go do... Eddie Van Halen should have done what Jeff Beck did. Go off and do a fusion fusion jazz album. Go get Jan Hammer, keyboardist Jan Hammer, who's played with everybody and every guitar uh, player, including Jeff Beck. Go get him and do an album with Jan Hammer. There you go. You know? Uh, go do that and keyboards and guitar and fusion and whatnot. Yeah, run wild, do whatever. Yeah, do it like Kiss did it. See, okay, there are two bands who did who did it right. I think. Okay. Uh, There there must have been other bands, but the two bands I remember that did it right. And I know you're a huge Kiss fan. Oh. I'm 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 not. I'm not the big Kiss fan that you are. I I I, rec- I like some of the stuff. I, like, I kind of liked later Kiss than earlier Kiss, I don't know. but but uh, but then again, their their old music now plays. It does play really well. See, I'm surprised we didn't actually cover any Kiss, like shout it, shout it out loud, or something like that. Right. You know, Kiss Destroyer, Kiss Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised we didn't do any of that. Now we got to we have to talk about that. Yeah. No, but I'm talking about in the band, like 
like oh, when we played. Sure. I'm surprised uh, we didn't cover a old classic we, Kiss tune because that would have been just like a crowd pleaser, you know? Yeah, rock and roll night. Mm-hmm. Just up. not Beth. I already told my story about Beth. Yeah. Playing that in a marching band. <laughs> I'm just the truth. North Clackamas Junior Marching Band. We'll play Beth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a hit. <laughs> yeah. So is school's out for the summer, you know, or whatever. You know, I don't know. Just anything. Full round and felt in love. Junior marching band doing schools out. Yeah. Alice Cooper. Have a fool around and fell in love. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Or the best, you know, you always kill with this one. You always kill with this one in marching band. Mm. Paul McCartney and Wings, live and let die. Right. The horn section, man. I mean, if you see a good marching band or a bugle band, live and let die. Come on, that's a good. That's a good chart. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, But no, Beth. We had to do Beth. It's the honest to God truth. That's the thing, and. Even now, I must have had PTSD from it, because even now I can't fathom us being in a marching band playing Beth. Yeah. But we played Beth. That's the seventies, man. Yeah, band teacher was out getting his funny cigarettes that day when he chose that thing. Right. Or maybe his girl, his girlfriend liked Beth. You know. Okay, honey, we'll do we'll do Beth for you. Yeah. I mean. But uh, but these bands, Kiss, uh-huh. the two I, I can think of, and maybe you can think of more, Kiss yeah. and Emerson, uh-huh. Lake, and Palmer. Okay. They both did it right. I'm a huge Emerson, yeah. Lake, and Palmer fan. You know. uh, yeah. here, here, here's what they did. Kiss, they had some albums, and then what did they do? They, they did a thing where each one of the, each one of the Kabuki guys did a solo yeah. record. Right. And even as a kid who wasn't, I mean, that was the one kid who Kiss wasn't quite there yet for me or whatever. I thought that was brilliant. I was like, oh, that's yeah. cool. And what did they have? The picture of them right there on the cover, right? Yeah. And with every album came inside of it, uh, a poster. Yeah. So it was like, this is the Ace Freely record, right? Right. Which I think personally was the best out of all. That's what I hear. That's what the people yeah. say. Is that Ace yeah. is out of all that Ace Freely's is the one that's really. Despite yeah. the fact that <laughs> there is a lot of problems with that band, at at least then he was he was the dude who could really play, really well. Can shred, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the problem with the uh, Kiss solo albums, you go from the high of of. Uh, Ace Freely yeah. doing songs on there like Rip It Out and stuff like that. And then you go to the worst one, which in my opinion is Gene Simmons' one. And, <laughs> he act- and I, 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 I'm going to be honest to God with you. He sings When You Wish Upon a Star. Oh, my God. It, it is painful. I mean, painful. I mean, I, I love Kiss. But I listen to that, and, you know, my little you know, nine-year-old you self was like, 
a pot of star. I'm Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, <laughs> when you wish upon a star. Gene, this is Gene Simmons of Kiss. Gene Simmons of Kiss singing, when you wish upon a star. Gene Simmons. He's kind of like, what's the difference between Gene Simmons now and Bernie Sanders? They're kind of like the same. I'm Bernie Sanders. I'm Gene Simmons of Kiss. I'm Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, Gene, Gene, you know, nine-year-old self. Is, why, Gene? Why? You know, and he's got that grinding voice. Well, you wish upon, and he tries to get the yeah. high note. It's just oh, it's cringe. What? You know? What is that one album? What is that thing called? What do you mean? The they're solo just, album. Yeah, they're just the solo albums. That's what they call them. They're just called the solo, and were they all released at once or in succession? All, all released on the same day. I'm 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 consulting my this is Gene Simmons consulting my kiss expert Jason Allen <laughs> Gene right, Simmons yeah. of a kiss. Yeah, that, um, that was a, uh, that. Believe it or not, that was a placating gesture to both Peter Chris and Ace Greeley because I guess after uh, um, a, after they did Kiss Alive too, uh, I guess uh, Freely and Peter Chris were adamant they wanted out of the band. They they were done. Yeah. And so they like, you want to do solo albums? We'll all do solo albums and release them on the same day, and everything you know will be hunky dory. Which you know, both of them kind of okay, and then they kept them around till what seventy nine or eighty when uh, Peter Chris left. Yeah, I've got lists there. here. I've got lists that we we will go over. Excellent. Um. Uh. But I thought that okay. But my point is, I thought that was brilliant. Like, to go, okay, we've made some records. Yeah. Go off, do your little thing on your yeah. own records, right? Right. Then and report then gonna, back after the summer when you're done. Yeah, you, you're going to sell four times the albums. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so Emerson, Lake and Palmer did a similar thing. Mm-hmm. So there's only three of those guys, so they had one less guy, right? <laughs> right. Which was perfect, which was perfect because... Get this. So they did a thing called the Works albums. Works Volume 1 and yeah. Volume 2. And so what they did is... So they said, okay, we're going to do Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer. But they're going to be solo albums. So you, it's like Oprah. You get a side, you get a side, you get a side. So four sides, three guys. What do you have? You have one side for each guy. And then last side the band the band right ah, okay. yeah, yeah, and what yeah. was the last side fanfare for the common man you probably have heard that the emerson lincoln Palmer version of you know with the keyboard you know um that's on there uh so like you know first side you get keith emerson playing a concerto suite written by another composer gina stara famous guy and uh and then you get greg lake Singer songwriter singing singing songs. Hold your love to light. Say la vie is actually a really nice song. Comes off of that record. Greg like great voice, great songwriter, great uh, guitarist, too. The late Keith Emerson and the late Greg Lake. I can't believe I said that. It really bums me out that those two guys are gone. Because yeah. mad yeah. respect for Emerson Lake and Palmer. And then the other side, Carl Palmer on the drums. What's he doing? Fusion jazz, jazz, big band. There's big band stuff. That side's great, actually. I got to tell you. I like the Carl Palmer 
Carl Palmer side. You know, I mean, he's got some drum solos, but he's got some stuff with a with a band, like kind of almost um, almost kind of like Maynard Ferguson ish. You know, yeah, and then yeah. they get together and they do an Emerson Lincoln Palmer side. There you go. Again, I think that works fine. Brilliant, mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. You know, just go off, do your thing. You get you get your thing, and Kiss I think did it perfectly though, with yeah. just each dude. And the marketing of it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to get just one, you know, mommy, daddy, I need to get all four, which, you know, I probably did. I need to get all four of them. You must have. They were your favorite band, dude, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there must be other bands that did the same thing out there. Yeah. But those are the Um, two I remember really well. Right. Yeah, that's the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. But I'm, I'm sure that if I sit down and scour the internet or whatever, I mean, there's going to be others. Oh. So here we go. I want to tell Okay, so I, I do need to tell you what my problem is with KISS. My main, <laughs> my main problem. Yeah. All due respect, whatever. I think the big issue is... I was into the drums, right? All that stuff. Sure. Peter Chris, not my favorite drummer. No, all. no. He uh, was kind of a journeyman drummer. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's a a kind of a hidden tape out there somewhere, or a uh, some sort of recording. It was never released, but he did a uh, he did a jazz mm-hmm. album. I guess his background before this was like swing jazz. Yeah. And uh, you, you hear murmurs of it. I've, I've never come across it. But uh, universally, they say that it's the best stuff that he's ever done. He should have done that instead of Kiss. Uh, way, way better. And I was like, yeah. But yeah, you're right. He was, I mean, compared I, you know, to like Neil Peart, you know. That's the whole thing when you go, oh, that person really kind of has not done, you know. And then you find out later, it's like, like, oh, well, you know, they're really a jazz drummer, right? This rock yeah. and roll. And you're like, oh, okay. Because jazz drumming, I got to say, is it's a whole different thing. And yeah. um, and that's jazz drumming is pretty heavy. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot of technique and a lot of skill. And yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good drummers that can do all sorts of things. But, um, but you know... It, it, for example, oh God, I hear everyone we're talking about is dead, recently died. Yeah. You know, but for example, like Neil Peart. Yeah. Um, he went and started taking lessons from. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. Who was it? Um, Some, yeah, it was like the guru of like uh, jazz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the name escapes me right now. Yeah. Wasn't Tony Williams, was it? I don't know. Oh, Tony yeah, Williams I, I, is gone. Tony Williams has been dead for a while. But um, somebody like that, yeah. I, I just and I, I forgot who it was. Uh, but Neil Peart, for example, like a few years back, not long ago, like before, you know, later, decided to go back. Uh, you know, and he, he's Neil Peart. I, I think he knows how to play the drums. He did. Man. You know. Um, uh, but he went back to learn jazz technique and all this stuff, you know. So a good yeah. example there is how you know different techniques 
different. There's great all-around players, but you know, there's great guys who just like focus on one kind of a thing. Right. So it may very well be that Peter Chris was more of a different different kind of a drummer and didn't fit that well. But I just know back then in the seventies, I was always listening to drummers, and there were so I mean Carl Palmer, right? Um, yeah. Uh, all these guys and there were so many good ones my favorite one of my favorite drummers my first early drummer crush okay was uh i'm not gonna make you guess because you'll uh chicago danny seraphine of chicago Ah. and if you listen to some of their hits like um 25 64 25 or 64 um does anybody know what time it is? Yes. Um, and there's a... Uh, uh, what's that one? I'm so happy. Whatever. There's another one which has a big drum solo at the beginning. What's funny is I would hear the radio cuts. And I'd go, wow, wow, listen to the drums. That's great. That guy's great. And then you get that full album cut, and you realize they cut his drum solos down, way, way down. Like, it's like, oh, my God, this sounds like a 30, 45-second drum solo at the beginning of this song that's cut down to, like, three seconds for the radio cut, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, Danny Seraphine was, like, one of the first drummers that I was like, wow, I really like him. And he, to this day, great drummer. Yeah. Like, oh, go yeah. go listen to some of that old Chicago stuff, man, and the drumming. He's just like, Ooh. And then, you know, I got into all kinds of other different drummers, but. But that's the thing. I was heard him, and then I'd hear someone like Kiss, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know, man. It's just Kiss. I mean, Keith just... Moon. You'd hear Keith Moon on the classic Who, and you'd be like, Wow, man. Yeah. I mean, even in the '80s, when you had, you know, had a, you know, even at, in the '70s, Alex Van Halen. You know, not bad. Yeah, uh, he, he had some issues too. Yeah. He but, did have I some mean, issues. But Peter Chris was just straight. Uh, straight ahead, bread yeah. and butter, boring. You know, boring. Well, I remember, I remember hearing his solo, and it was like people were like, "Oh, this is great." It's like, I don't know. You ever heard of Danny <laughs> Seraphine of Chicago? That's a little bit more, yeah, going on there. And then, like, like for rock, like then you hear Emerson, Lincoln Palmer, you sure. know, Carl Palmer. It's like I posted that on Facebook uh, last week for songs for the apocalypse and it was like the uh fit, kind of the big finale of part one of carnival nine which ends yeah. in this big and and i wanted to find the filmed live version because that's on the album i have you know i have both albums i have the live and the um yeah. and the studio and the live is a lot longer and of course, there's a big old Carl Palmer drum solo in the middle of Carnival Nine, which is great. And he's got two Tam uh, Tam gongs. People call them gongs; they're actually Tam Tams. He's giant, and he's got a captain's bell that he rings with his. Uh, when you watch it, he's actually ringing it, the captain's bell with his mouth as he's playing, and and he's just like, oh, I love that drum solo. That right. drum solo is burned in my head. I would listen to it like every day when I was a kid. It would just be like. You know, and of course it, it, you know, the whole, this whole drum solo goes on for minutes and minutes and minutes and then come out. And of course it then comes out to welcome back my friends to the show that never end. Right. Cause he needs, cause he's like beating the hell out of the drums and they blast into the big welcome, welcome back my friends thing. There you go. Good bit. 
Like, really, goosebumps, man. But see, the stuff like, I was listening to stuff like that, and then a friend would go, oh, what about this kiss, this kiss? And I'd be like, uh, I don't know, man. And then I got into, like, fusion jazz and stuff, and it was all over. Then it was like, <laughs> you know, it was like any of these guys, Van Hale, any of these guys, it was like, uh, yeah, but here's Billy Cobham over here. <laughs> you know, it'd be like, sorry, dude. Billy Cobham blows them all away, okay? Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, so get this, man. Kiss albums ranked from worst to best. Okay. Okay. Guess what number twenty nine is. The wor- the worst one, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'll say I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Uh, music from the Elder. No, dude. No. You had it in in the tips of your fingers. You had it. Number twenty nine would be Peter Chris, nineteen seventy eight. Ah. Worse. Really, they they judge that worse than the Gene. Well, no, Gene Simmons did have that radioactive song. All right. Oh, radio. Okay. Uh, Twenty-eight. Carnival of Souls, the final sessions, nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, they mailed that one. I don't even know that one. It came out as a later release. Uh, it... it was done in ninety-five when they were gearing up for the reunion. Yeah, uh, these are all like. 27, Kiss Symphony, Alive 4, 2003. Yeah, I heard it's... Uh, That's like with a symphony, okay? Or something? The Mel- Melbourne uh, uh, Symphony. Yeah, these are all just obscure. I don't even know. 26, Monster, 2012. Uh, yeah, their last release, Monster. What, what's up? Okay, you know, you know it's when I like... I mean, I like Look It Up, right? Yeah. And uh, there was another one that I liked that came, popped up here, too, which was from a while ago. Um... Uh, yeah, what, Heaven's on Fire? Heaven's on Fire, yeah. I like that one. I mean, those are just like, like anthem rockers, right? Kiss can yeah. do a good anthem rocker. Heaven's oh, on yeah. Fire. Uh, Psycho Circus? Yep, 1998. That's a good uh-huh. one. I, I got to find a... I've got a real funny video that's pretty interesting that I've never... Uh, I'll have to find it. And And what's playing in the background is Psycho Circus. Uh-huh. <laughs> Right. Monster 2012. I don't know what yeah. monster. I mean, I'm giving you the date when these came out. See, this is all new. Psycho Circus uh-huh. at number 25. Psycho Circus 1998. Yeah. Oh, the band's original. So that was when the band original lineup? Yep. Yeah, Ace Freely and all of them? What album they did, but uh, they were, even then, they were so dysfunctional yeah. that. Uh, Peter, Chris, and Freely are hardly on the album. They use studio musicians. See, so you're the you you know I'm not the expert here at Kiss, so that's why I'm. Two years later, like Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer, we can go, but uh, yeah. two years later came Psycho Circus, the first Kiss album since '79 yeah. to feature Ace Freely and and Peter, Chris. Yep, since Dynasty, yeah. Chris played on the only. See, that's the ones that I want to rank as the original, you know, ones. Yeah. Chris played on only one track, Freely yep. on Two. Yep. Paul Stanley later admitted there was no real band. Now I have, okay, so I, I told you this, we talked about this before a while, quite some time ago, but I have gone to YouTube and I don't know if they're, and watched all of the interview Paul Stanley and Ace Freely YouTube videos where they just go on. I mean, it's like reality TV, uh, how yeah. much they hate each other and, Oh yeah. Uh, so and so's a 
alcoholic and is above this and that and everything oh my gosh and then and then peter chris has his videos it's a lot of fun band drama oh yeah okay number at number 24 animalize 1984 yeah which has lick it up on it that was an anthem yeah, I think that would be ranked a little higher than it would have. Successive look, look it up continued with the follow up Animal Eyes. Oh, yeah. it, no, it No, it doesn't have. Wait. With the follow up. Animal Eyes was certified platinum. Yeah. Biggest band seller since Dynasty. It was also yep. the only Kiss album to feature lead guitarist Mark St. John, who Reed joined Reed. as a replacement for Vinnie Vincent. Uh, yeah was forced to withdraw from the band during the Animalized tour after contracting Writer's Syndrome. Right, and he filled them with uh, Bruce Kulick. A former arthritis. So that is not, poor guy, that is not something a guitar player wants. I've heard of that. Yeah. Best songs on the album were Paul Stanley's Heaven's on Fire. Mm-hmm. Thrills in the Night. Thrills in the Night. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember this one. I mean, it, it was 84 there. It's all on MTV. Like, yep. you know, yep. uh, I mean, they kind of, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was of the time. Yes. There's some good stuff from there. And then there's some stuff we're going to look back and go, <laughs> that was the 80s. Right. But, you know, they right. were doing, I remember it was like, hey, Kiss is coming out. They're, they're doing the glam hair metal sound and good yeah, for them. Drop the makeup. Platinum Records. There you go. Hot in the Shade, 1989. I had never even heard of that. Yeah. Oh, that has Beth on it. Yeah. Oh, no. No, wait. wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... 14 years after Kiss had the biggest hit single in America with Beth, they returned to the U.S. Top 10 with another ballad, Forever. Okay. Not, Not many people know this. Uh, Forever was co-written. It was Paul Stanley and uh, Michael Bolton. So it says Paul Stanley wrote Forever with Michael Bolton. Yeah. And Hide Your Heart with Desmond Child and Holly Knight. Yep. An AOR classic, Hide Your Heart, was also recorded in 1989 by Ace Freely. Yep. And his Trouble Walking Out. At number 22, Asylum. God, we got a lot to go through here. 1986. Uh, tears are falling. Tears are falling, man. Yeah. I like. I thought that was an okay. Yeah. Tune. I remember yeah. that one. Paul Stanley's "Tears Are Falling." Mm-hmm. Do you like Paul Stanley? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I. So I. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's stuff I liked about Kiss. I thought Paul Stanley was pretty decent frontman, vocals. Yeah. You know, I. I thought he did the job. Oh yeah. So, I I mean, Stanley, uh, in the 80s, he pretty much carried Kiss. Yeah. Uh, You know, Simmons was off doing his movies or whatever, what happened. Oh, that's right. That's right. uh, Yeah, Gene Simmons was in movies. Yeah. And TV and stuff. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Stanley. uh, Tears Are Falling. I remember that one. Uh, Number 21, Kiss Unplugged, 1996. Yeah. That's yeah. you know what I've never ever seen MTV Unplugged Kiss I've never seen that and I gotta be honest with you it scares the crap out of me 
Kiss uh, is I, the one band I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you, you're right. Uh, Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer are both uh, fantastic technical players. They are the ones that saved the whole recording. All of it. So, uh, Simmons and Stanley. Uh, Stanley does all right. Simmons is all over the place. But the, the yeah. two, you know, the rhythm section, so to speak. Let me tell uh, me. Ace you, Freely and... Yes, first time they got Peter back together. Peter Chris, first time they got back together, played alongside Eric Singer and Bruce Kulick. Yep. So that was the big deal. It was like, yeah. oh, Kiss unplugged, and guess what? Here come the other two guys. Yeah. They got they I, rated that as number twenty one. I've never seen Kiss unplugged. Now there's one. God dang. Yeah. I, I I never I've never. It's not great, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's Chernobyl. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Not great. Not bad either. Um uh wow. Wow. Kiss unplugged. I, I still I'm getting like really? I didn't even know that they did an unplugged. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff actually to be honest. It's like there's a lot of unplugged I I find out about and I was like, "What? They did an unplugged?" Yeah, so was a, a lot. A lot of the bands, was, um, you had ones like that made news, like Nirvana. Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, I would but, say the one that everyone can think of was Nirvana. Right. And it was, you know, brilliant. It was like, wow, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Kiss one went right under the radar. Wow. Uh, number twenty. God, we gotta get through these. Alive three, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. It, it, it was okay, not great. <laughs> uh, Crazy Nights, 1987. <clears throat> yeah. It, that one, again, was okay. Uh, it was done by uh, uh, Bruce Fairburn, sat behind the console on that one. And uh, it, it, it's just it's an okay album, but too slick. Number 18, Music from the Elder, 1981. That's right. right. The band disowned it. The critics panned it. Most KISS fans hated it, and few bought it. For all that, yeah. music from the Elder is cherished among a small mi- minority of diehard KISS fanatics who consider it the band's lost classic. This grandzi- grandiose concept album, yes, was by its own admission Gene Simmons' folly, based on a <laughs> fantasy tale he'd written and conceived as a soundtrack to a Hollywood movie. Yes. As Simmons uh-huh. told Classic Rock, we were convinced that we were making our Tommy, our Sergeant Pepper yeah. The movie was never made, and the album bombed. But in terms of artistry ambition, there's never been a Kiss album to equal it before or since. Right. Produced by uh, Bob Ezrin, who had worked on the classic Kiss album Destroyer, and more recently yeah. on Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yes. Music from the Elder was closest band it ever got to art rock. Mm-hmm. It has great songs, including A World Without Heroes, Mr. Blackwell, and Dark Light, all of which were co-written. With rock legend, with, all of which were co-written with rock legend Lou Reed. Uh huh. This is just yeah. This week on Curmudgeons, we delve into the history of the band Kiss. Record, Kiss. Yeah, recorded at H. Freely's home uh, studio. Freely, uh, the whole time was like, "We can't do this. We can't get, put this out. This is going to kill us." You know. Right. And. They just kind of over, over, 
overdid it. Ez Ezrin, later on, uh, they asked him about it. They said, man, how could you... <laughs> <laughs> How could but, you have done music from the elder? The right? producer of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah, his explanation. You're gonna love that. Yeah. He's like, he's like, hey, I was doing a lot of coke at the time. Well, that's usually the explanation <laughs> yeah. for most things that come out of Hollywood and recording, you know, yeah. industry and stuff. It's like, hey, hey, I got an out. I was, was doing a lot. It was Gene Ooh, Simmons oh. from Kiss. I had a lot of nose candy at the time. Gene Simmons right. Kiss. Nose candy, um, but 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 check it out though. Co-written yeah. by Lou Reed. Yeah. Well, Lou there's <laughs> there's a collaboration that threw me a, for a loop. Kiss and Lou Reed. Yeah. Who yeah, knew? Much, much like the album that Lou Reed it was that Lou Reed made with uh, Metallica. It was yeah. Universally panned. Yeah, know. but uh, okay. Kiss and Lou Reed. Yeah. And while. Yeah. Simmons now describes this album as a product of temporary insanity. There, there was in that madness something approaching genius. This person really loved is a Kiss fan who wrote this, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Music from the Elder. Oh. Yeah. Kiss unplugged and music from the Elder. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at number seventeen, Gene Simmons, nineteen seventy-eight. There you go, the solo record. Yeah. Now, what was what was a hit or single off of that? When you wish. Oh. For when you wish upon a star from Disney's POV. Oh, it's that's that is just it's painful to listen to. The best songs he's ever written. Radioactive. Man of a thousand faces. Yeah. Took the route route one approach to Solomon and Simmons went completely off. He enlisted. Joe Perry. Oh, so who's on it? Joe Perry, Bob Seger, Donna Summer, his then girlfriend Cher. I remember that. Others on his wish list were unavailable: Lennon and McCartney, and the world's most famous dog Lassie. Okay, I, I want to get Lassie on my solo record. Can we get Lassie, Bob? Get Bob Ezrin in here. Just Gene Simmons. Uh, just had a wild <laughs> idea, Bob. Bob. Um, I want to get Lassie on the record. This is Gene Simmons. When Gene Simmons wants Lassie on a record, Gene Simmons gets Lassie, okay? That's right. When he barks, I'm going to blow fire. <laughs> uh, number 16, Unmasked, 1980. Uh, yeah, uh, Pete, that was the last one. It had Peter Chris on the cover. Peter Chris <laughs> didn't drum at all during it. Believe it or not, the uh, the uh, drummer during though that album was uh, Anton Fig. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The great and uh, uh, David Letterman. Yep. Dave Lemerson, great drum. Here, good drum. Great, great yeah. drum. Like Anton yeah. a lot. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, Dave uh, Lemerson, show. Paul Schaefer. Album-wise, uh, it was it was one of those overproduced albums. It was mm -hmm. too it was too uh, polished. Uh, Unmask is a fantastic pop rock album. Although Paul yeah. Stanley has a different assessment. We <laughs> we lost our balls, he right. said. <laughs> Um, yeah, Anton Fig and Will Lee, a bass player, uh, on the um, late night with David Letterman, and they they pop up on a lot of records, including rock records. You see Will Lee play bass on a lot of stuff. I mean, here's the thing: it's Paul Schaefer. Yeah, like you know, when he put that band together for David Letterman, he's gonna get the best because it's Paul Schaefer. Paul yeah. Schaefer's a master. 
Oh, yeah. Huge, yeah. huge respect. I mean, the original Saturday Night Live band, Paul Schaefer. Wow. Yeah. Oh, with, yeah, with people like Tom Scott and David Sanborn on saxes. Yeah. And and also the Blues Brothers band, mm-hmm. like Paul Schaefer and the backing players. That's right. That's right. Uh, number 15, Dynasty, 1979. Yeah. Kiss's Venture into Disco. Ooh. I vaguely remember this. I, I was made for loving you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure know something. Yeah. I probably, at the time, I probably saw him on TV. Like, not American Bandstand, but something like that, maybe, or whatever. Maybe it was sure. Midnight Special. I don't know. I think they did a few videos on television. This was yeah, they, they were on MTV, a lot with folks. Dick Clark. Hmm? For some, they were on a lot with Dick Clark. For some reason, Dick Clark yeah. liked them. Yeah. Dick Clark liked anybody who was a hit. Yeah. Come on. He was a businessman, Dick Clark. Yeah. You know, he probably listened to Vivaldi when he, in his car or whatever. He didn't give a crap. Dick Clark yeah. was all about the hits. You know, the funny thing is, uh, back in the day, uh, before, you know, in the days of Napster and stuff like that, you could go out and listen to the the, the tracks that did not make the album. Yeah. And, oh uh, yeah, I got I the got bootlegs. Tra- yeah, the tracks that did not make the album were far better than what they were put in there. They were raw and heavier, and not right. slick down. It was what Dynasty became, and like, why didn't they just put that in there? <laughs> you know, like uh, like there's one song, the Peter Chris song. They did some slicker kind of tame song that was on the album, but he did this song that didn't make it. It's called Rumble. And yeah, it's act- it's actually really it's a good song. You know, it's heavy, and uh, I, was, I was like, "Man, whoever you know, whoever decided what goes on, what goes off, they really screwed the pooch on this one." You know. So, so it, you know, they they bring up a thing. I I was gonna pass it, but they do bring up a thing here. Uh, timing is everything. In 1979, this is the write up for Dynasty at number 15. Yeah. Um, in 1979, rock fans launched the protest campaign. Disco <laughs> sucks. At a baseball game in Chicago, a crate filled with offending records, mostly by the Bee Gees, was blown up on the pitch. And in the same year, Kiss put out a disco song. (laughs) I Was Made for Loving You was a brilliant synthesis of disco and hard rock and a U.S. top 20 hit. Parent album Dynasty reached uh, top 10, but this song was alienated many Kiss fans and precipitated the band's decline in America. That was the beginning of the end, yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I, I vaguely remember that song. Because they were on TV a lot, as we proved by the Paul in Halloween special. Right. Uh, kind of like uh, Jeff- Starship. Yeah. You know, Starship would turn up on things like Star Wars Christmas specials, <laughs> holiday specials and stuff. Uh, Kiss was like that. It's like, oh, it's a variety show with yeah. Florence Henderson. And kiss, Carol and witchy poo, um, uh, yeah, uh, Rip Torn. So I vaguely remember this, but it, like, yeah, in '79, releasing Kiss, releasing a disco, was not a good look. Because I remember, I, I wanted to read that because I remember the disco. We everybody had the disco. So, in fact, I think Zappa had like a disco was. There was a picture of him maybe with a Disco Sucks t-shirt on or something. Yeah. 
Uh, and that was like the height of, you know, the BG, Saturday Night Fever, the hustle. I mean, everything was saturated Point, with disco. Yeah. Village people, Pointer Sisters. Village people. You know. Yeah. Uh, Le Chic. Yes. The, um, Nile Rogers and. Um, Lady, yeah. Lady Marmalade. Yeah, and Donna Summer. Yeah, and oh. in hindsight, a lot of these people were actually very talented. Yes. Yeah. Um, it just was, you know, it's like one of those things. It was so overly saturated, and it, I think the deal was is disco on FM airwaves had totally displaced everything else. So, like rock fans, hard rock fans from the seventies, you know, people who'd like to listen to Kiss or Boston or uh, Leonard Skinnerd or you know, you yeah. name you name the the band, you know. Uh, all yeah. of a sudden, all that stuff was displaced, and you know, you turn on your favorite FM station one day, and all of a sudden, they're playing Donna Summer and the Village People, and you're like, "Where's my rock and roll? Where's my guitars and my loud?" Right? Right. And yeah. So, really, the whole disco sucks thing was this whole huge backlash against this music that had just been oversaturated, yeah. and then yeah. what started jumping into popularity then after that? new wave punk and punk yep. Yep. was almost i mean it you know like anything if you put the pendulum one way it's like yeah everything's disco now then the pendulum yeah. swings this way and now you've got the sex pistols and yep. you know really loud three chord you know yep and then the new wave comes in and then the antithesis to that is hair metal yep yep Going, and then yeah, the resurgence of metal that. in the eighties. You know, I, I I I call I would call that like the um, the kind of uh, pendulum swinging from like flock of seagulls and all that. All of a sudden, it's like okay, <laughs> we're gonna swing it back. Now we have you know, uh, Def Leppard, Quiet Riot, you know, right. Rat, right. And, and and then heavier stuff. You know, Metallica, um, Anthrax. Except, you know. yeah. Except. And then all the classic bands that came up in the seventies. Here comes Kiss again, you know. Here comes Black Sabbath. Here comes all these, you know. Yeah. It's just like, of course, oh. but, yeah. Of course, then Ozzy went solo, and he blew yeah. up. You know? Yeah, yeah. Everything gets heavy. I mean, Van Halen debuted in seventy-eight or seventy-nine. I think it was 70. seventy-eight. Yeah. Um, you know, so all that was kind of the cards get heavy again after after disco, and then. I, I I like new wave to me is like disco punk. I mean, I don't know how much really punk got top 10 airwaves as much because it was too hardcore and too heavy. I mean, like those bands were all pretty much college underground bands, talking heads, you know, yeah. REM. Yeah. One, you know, one artist that really crossed over interestingly enough really well was Debbie Harry was Blondie yes. because yes. remember she came from that punk CBGB's thing right. and all yeah. of a sudden she's doing disco records and stuff and became a disco diva yep um, but uh, but I think a lot of that really harder core stuff even the early police and all that that was like more college radio and sure underground radio then data and data yeah um, and then, I, then I think the new wave, new wave stuff kind of crept in, which was a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> what would you say? A little, a little more. Uh, 
palatable to the top yes. 10 ear. Oh, a little bit oh, more yeah. palatable to the top 10 ear. <laughs> right. um, and if you think about it, kind of that new wave and that synthesizer and more dance grooves, it was kind of like the punk, simplistic punk. It's mixed punk. with jazz, with and not jazz. I'm sorry. Mixed with disco. Right. To me, it's like punk and easy listening. Well, I think it's like punk. Take kind of the simplistic ideals of punk. Yeah. And then put it with the danceable. What had come in the late '70s, the disco. Put them together. You kind of have that new wave. You kind of have that flock of seagulls and all that stuff. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, Talking Heads became like a dance band, really. Yeah. I mean, all their stuff yeah. became this groove dance. I remember when they were, stuff. like, really avant-garde, you know, in a college uh, yeah. station. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you're right there. And, yeah, and, they were mainstream. You know, the police, too. They moved yep. from their earlier, more hardcore, like, their first album, which is a good one, by the way. Ro- but so. Roxanne, uh, Walking on the Moon. That's their second album. But uh, yeah. Roxanne and... Um, Oh, what's that? What's that B side on that record? Uh, actually, the whole record's real good, and it's just like a real. It's it's pretty much recorded. It's it's almost like a demo. I mean, it's real rough. Not a lot of production, but it has all those ideals of that kind of punk coming out of London, and um, you know, and then they really got slick and. That same thing with what you do. Their their first album. Yeah. Know, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, good album first too. Things like boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will follow. Yeah, really. yeah. See, yeah. I liked I liked that stuff. Like, well, I remember hearing you two when they first came out. Like, I was like, I'm liking this sound, you know. And it was new. It was like that's new. You hear that you know, kid? My, you hear that kid? That's new. Oh, it's new. My, my favorite though. Are you ready for this? What? Echo, Echo, and the Bunny. Man. Yeah. Well, they're like into the. You know, they're like. Um, uh kind of the reggae ska stuff right yeah so i mean like stuff like that it would be like you know and that then that whole thing came and that was kind of the grooving grooving thing uh oh here we go uh next to you the opening track so lonely though that's the first police album those are just all good rockers mm-hmm. can't stand losing you that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I would say the big ones on that are, of course, Roxanne and uh, Next to You, So Lonely. So Lonely's kind of down in the reggae kind of ska beats and Can't Stand Losing You. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's one that they played forever. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't stand losing. I can't. You know, it's just a right. rocker. Just a simple rocker. Sure. Um, okay, back to Kiss. All right. Back to Kiss after they did their four. See, Kiss should have done a punk album after Dynasty. <laughs> 1980. <laughs> Gene Simmons should have put like like uh, uh, safety pins in his ears, you know. Sure. I mean, he was sure. already spitting the blood, so. Yeah, why not? Except yeah. with, with Kiss, it was fake blood. With the Sex Pistols, it was real blood. Yeah, ne- never, mind, uh, never mind the ball. Like, here comes Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Number 14, Paul Stanley, 1978, his solo record. It, oh, again, okay. 
there were some decent songs on it, and there were some. I'm, uh, I'm telling you, this person really likes Kiss. They were like, "Tonight, you belong to me" is a sensational song with an intense emotional charge. Yeah. Uh, number thirteen, Revenge, nineteen ninety two. Yep. Uh, first is... one with Eric Singer uh, went after Eric Carr passed away. Yeah. This is where they, this is where they went heavy again. Dedicated to the memory of Eric Carr. The drummer who had served Kiss for 10 years before succumbing to cancer uh, on November 24th, 1991. I vaguely remember that. The day that that Freddie Mercury also died. Eric Carr died. Wow. Uh, Kiss's most underappreciated record. Uh, Former former Black Sabbath drummer Eric Singer in place of Carr. And producer Bob Ezrin. Yep. Back for third time. Solid album. Not bad. Well, so number 13, Heavier Sound. That's good. See, I definitely think when I think Kiss, I want to think Heavier Sound. Mm-hmm. Like like if Gene Simmons came to me and said, disco version of When You Wish Upon a Star. What do you think? What do you think? I'd say, right. Gene, Bob wouldn't might approve that, but Doc does not. I want a heavier sound. A bottom end and a heavier sound. Gene, that's what you do well. That's right. Sonic Boom. At number 12, 2009. It was their first album um, with Tommy Thayer and uh, Tommy after Thayer. a long layoff. Yeah. yeah. Guitarist Tommy Thayer made his debut on Sonic Boom. Yep. He even sang lead on one track. Did. As did band. Eric Singer. Yep. Tommy Thayer, what, what band did he come? What? Black and Blue. Black and... Of course. Of course, black and blue. I'm like, tell me, th- ah, black and blue. That's right. Hold on to 18. Lake Oswego, Oregon. That's right. Have a nice day. Yeah, Tommy yeah. Thayer from Black and Blue. Well, yeah. okay, that, that's one thing I did appreciate. That's one thing I liked about Kiss in the later years, like in, going to the 80s and stuff. It's like, yeah, do what you're doing. Those other guys, whatever, having them guest appear or whatever. But yeah. it's basically Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, okay? And then go out and get the best young drummer. Yep. And the best young hot guitar player. And just kiss. There you go. And yep. go on tour and stuff. And and if that doesn't work out, you can get rid of them and get the next, you know, the other neck. Because there's going to be all these young guys who are yeah. kicking ass, right? Yeah. On the drums and on guitar. And any of them will get a gig with Kiss. And knowing that they're good businessmen, they'd probably be like, well, you're playing with Kiss, so uh, you're going to make, you know, you're going to make rate here, right? Um, Rate. Musicians rate. All all of them, yeah. Salaried hired guns. Yeah, salaried rate. Think think of the promotion. Think of what you're going to (laughs) do. You know, sell some guitar strings to make some extra cash. (laughs) Gene Simmons, I'm giving you some advice, kid. No, but, you know, I mean, but even then, you know, a young guy, hungry guy who's really hot is going to go play with Kiss and be like, okay. Or just get a named dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they cost too much money. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy Thayer, black and blue. Thank you right. for that. Right. Yeah. You... Yeah, I won't ask on the live stream. Uh okay. Uh number 11. <laughs> Lick it up 1983. 
Yep. Uh, Kiss's comeback album, uh, Vinnie Vincent. Vinnie Vin- uh, yep. Yeah, Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. Very. If you look at the cover, and there is no real artwork, it's just a white cover with Kiss standing there. Yep. Uh, very uh, bread and butterish. Uh, and, this was their last, after Creatures of the Night did not sell well. Yeah. Uh, basically, and this is also when uh, Casablanca was bought out by Polygram. And basically, Polygram said, we're not going to put any money into this album. And, oh, yeah, if it doesn't sell, we're going to drop you. So this was their last gasp. It was, uh, uh, look it up. And uh, they you know, brought in Vinnie Vincent, who... I'm going to say something very controversial right now. He saved Kiss. Uh, Every song on the album is co-wrote by Vinnie Vincent. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I mean, I I remember when the album came out in 83. I mean, this was like every everything was hair band. I mean, as far as FM airplay MTV goes, you know, like I said, the the more hardcore bands and even older, uh, more hardcore bands they were getting a resurgence too they may or may not get airplay now fm you know uh fm radio stations that turn see this is so weird because they're you know you're talking about fm radio stations and mtv airplay not like internet streaming and youtube videos and stuff which is it's a whole different landscape now but back then it was still who's playing on the airwaves what format did that station turn to right because right. that, that station in 1979 that was the all-disco Saturday Night Fever BG station by 1983 had turned to, you know, um, welcome, welcome to, to rock, rock from, from hell. hell. You know. Yeah, right. That's right. Your hits, right? Yep. Um, and then stuff like this would play on it, you know. Uh, you know, oh, it's a new Kiss album. Look it up. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, twelve oh nine on your radio dial. Here's Kiss. Lick it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember when that that happened, and it was like, wow, Kiss is getting in the fold too of what's happening right now, and and they're sounding good. They're looking. I mean, there's a picture of from the video, and they're all like, they've got the uniform on at the time. You know, <laughs> you wear the uniform, the ripped up clothes. Torn up jeans and bandanas. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Spandex. Oh yeah. I had a box of that one somewhere. I didn't didn't <laughs> save it. it was, what's the point, really? Uh, like old girlfriends would go through. What is this part? What is this? Yeah, it was the eighties. Right. Should be a tax write-off. They were professional clothes. Um, right. But anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vinnie Vincent, I, I, yeah, he was good. I, I, I remember when everyone was like, "Damn, Kiss sounded pretty good." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So that's at number eleven. Number ten, "Hotter Than Hell," nineteen seventy four. Yep, second album, very raw album. Uh, part of it was uh, they kind of did it when they were on tour. Uh, part of it was uh, recorded in L.A. and then the rest was in New York, and it's very, very raw sound. Uh huh. Uh, their heaviest song, Parasite, was later recorded by Anthrax. Yep. And Gene Simmons' twisted ballad, Going Blind. Yeah. 
the lyrics on that one. Holy cow. That's I'm 93 and you're 16. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think I'm going. By. Right. That's an acid trip right there. As, as we could say in 2020, Kiss is problematic. Oh, uh, hey. Uh, Gene and, Simmons uh, is problematic. And Going Blind was done on their Unplugged album, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was one of their. It it is one of their, their uh, tracks, right? Yeah. Uh, the ants are down here. The ants heard about the. Uh, I'm like, doing all this stuff. The ants heard about, the, uh, lockdown in place here, so they've decided they want to get on YouTube too. Uh-huh. <sighs> ants. Uh, number nine, Love Gun, 1977. Yep. Uh, sixth. That was their sixth album. That was like a big record, right? That was like yeah. That was a, the, when they were at the zenith of, yeah. of their, uh, uh, you know, right before Kiss Alive Two. I mean, seventy seven. That was yeah. You know, that's when they were at their at their highest. It was also the, la- the last Kiss album to fe- to feature the full original lineup on every track. Right. Yeah, uh, I remember when that came out. This is seventy seven. Lots of seventy seven was a banner year for lots of like. Big albums, yeah. movies. Of course, the right. one movie everyone remembers is um, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, dude, it is an ant invasion down here. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Like, they're all over the place. I don't know where they're coming from. Mm. I'm going to have to hit... The... I've got the chemical. <laughs> I just didn't think... Anyway... Uh, okay, rock and roll over, nineteen seventy six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, the second album of the year. Uh, this came right after Destroyer. Yeah. Uh, saw a pretty solid album. Yeah. Um, Stanley wrote "Hard Luck Woman" with Rod Stewart in mind. Right. Um. Oh, calling. Wait. Calling Dr. Love. Calling Dr. Love is on that one. Yep. See, I remember that. I mean, that was always the one where it was Kiss, and it's like, Calling Dr. Love. <laughs> calling Dr. Love, Ladies Room. Christine, Chris, no, Christine 16, I think it was Love Gun. Yeah, they don't have it They don't have it listed here. Christine 16. Uh, yeah. Another yeah. problematic song right. by Gene Simmons. Um, dude, how, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just like can't fathom that now. Which you, no. you, you think about, it's like, why should you? But you know, it's like, uh I think it was more like, well, I, I don't, I can't get in. Yeah, have you? <laughs> I mean, if you're a teenager and you're listening to Kiss, yeah, and you're singing Christine sixteen because. You maybe are sixteen, then kind of works out, right? Yeah, yeah, they're singing to their audience. In other words, you're not like thinking of Gene Simmons, right? Oof. Gene, you're thirty-four. What are you doing, dude? Oh, dude, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just it's uh, so weird out there. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like you know justifying it at all. You know. Right. Um, okay, so uh, 
Number seven, Dressed to Kill, 1975. Yep. Uh, yeah, their album, uh, let's see here, Room Service, uh, Rock and Roll Night. Uh, come on and, yeah, Come on and Love Me. Rock Bottom? Rock Bottom, yeah. The one that, is that Rock, that one that, was it like, is that like Sammy Hagar or? No. No, wait, Rock Bottom? What am I thinking yeah, of? Rock Bottom. Rock Candy. I bet you're thinking yeah, that, of Rock Candy. That's, yeah, that's Montrose. That's what I was thinking of. Early Hagar, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm having, see, my mind is all messed up. <laughs> I see Rock Bottom and I'm like, is that uh, like Montrose at the brew pub? Right. Rock Bottom? Yeah. It's like, no, you're old, your brain cells are misfiring. It's not the Rock Bottom Brew Pub, and you're not listening to Montrose. That's right. Rock Candy. Rock Candy. That's yep. the one, right? Yep. The Montrose, That's too. Okay. Yep. With Sammy Hagar on it. Yep. Okay. That's a, a quick, quick aside, uh, Rock Candy is the very first song Sammy Hagar ever wrote. Is it really? It is, yeah. That I didn't know. I did not know yep. that. That's a good song. Solid, solid riff. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we got Dressed to Kill, 75 and 78. Number six, they rate number six, Ace Freely, 1978. Yep, my, my opinion, best out of the four solos. Uh, and and all the time growing up and stuff, that's what everybody said. Every Chris F- Kiss fan was like, yeah, I can do without this. We'll put the Ace Freely album. Yep. Because uh, I think at that time, I mean, Stanley and Simmons, you always knew they were running the show. And so when they were doing just pure Kiss albums, uh, Freely had to do, you know, all he had to work with was his little solo, you know, before or after the bridge. And uh, this was the first time he kind of was able to have creative control for an album. And you can tell he is a very good guitar player if you just let him play. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, yeah. Well, I mean, so that to me was always like, again, to me, Kiss at the end of the day is kind of, I mean, it is the four guys in a way, but with the, you know, it's still like you kind of think, okay, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. And then it's yeah. like, just work the dudes around you. Get a hot guitarist, get a hot drummer. Yep. You got a band. Write yep. songs, maybe write the songs with the, get a hot guitar player who's got some hot ideas for some songs co-write some songs with them but you got to pay them then you know figure it out right right yeah uh he had a top 20 hit with a breezy version of the russ ballard song new york groove yes back back in the new york groove yeah hard rocking record flashes of his goofball humor Okay, uh, number five, Creatures of the Night, 1982. Yes, after uh, the debacle that was known as Music from the Elder, uh, they decided to get back to basics and just release just a hard uh, rock album. Uh, War Machine is on that. Uh, I Love It Loud. Oh, I Love It Loud. I remember that one. And uh, it's... Vaguely, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's a, not a bad album. It's, a, it's actually it, 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 it's one of the few of that era in '82 that um, that that holds up. 
And uh, but sadly, the the album did not sell well, and that was their last album that had uh, uh, in makeup. So, '82, Ace Frehley had quit. His appearance on that this album's cover was purely to reassure fans as the band's popularity waned. Behind the scenes, several guitarists auditioned. Amazingly, Eddie Van Halen was briefly in the frame. In the end, the job went to Vinnie Vincent, who co-wrote and recorded three tracks. Yep. And it says the drum sound on it uh, is as big or bigger than John Bonham's. Yeah, they, they, they That's made good. it sound like cannons, you know. Oh, yeah. Firing. It's, it's good. You can't, you know, if you, if, you, if you want something big and, like, go with the John Bonham sound on the drums, man. Right. Always, uh, always be good. Um, huh. Well, so like they did the disco record, and then the 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 uh, the elder record, and then they were like, okay, we need to get back to basics here. Pendulum is, swing is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. All right. So it was either that or Gene put some put some uh, safety pins in your nose. <laughs> no. That's right. Uh. Except I think their version would have been like uh, Burbank Calling or something like that instead of London Calling. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Number four, Kiss from 1974. So this was the original original album. Yeah, one that started it all. You have Cold Gin, uh, Strutter, uh, good stuff. Firehouse, Deuce. Yep. Nothing to Lose, 100,000 Years, and Black Diamond. All you know, all of them are Kiss staples. You know, during the, their live show. Well, there you go. Yeah. Peaked on the U.S. charts at eighty-seven. Yeah. But it stands alongside Aerosmith, Montrose, and Van Halen as one of the classic debut albums that built American hard rock in the nineteen seventies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Aerosmith and yeah. Uh, number three, Alive Two, nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. Not as good as Alive, but solid. Yeah. Does that have a big drum solo on it? Yes. That's probably the one I heard that I was like, ugh. Yeah. I wasn't excited. Also, also, the other thing is I remember hearing this. Somebody played it for me, the record. And Mm -hmm. is the sound quality okay on it? A lot of overdubbing on it. Uh, it didn't seem like the sound quality was very good. This was when I was a kid. I'm bringing back a memory, you know, not like something I listened to yesterday, but. Yeah. Number two, Alive, 1975. Classic, yeah. Uh, one, you know, back then there wasn't many, 75, there wasn't many live albums out there. And uh, that was uh, Casablanca was going down the tubes, the yeah. record label. Uh, this is pre, you know, pre uh, village people. And or as we say back in the seventies, up the nose. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, they, they were told, you know, why can't you create an album that sounds as good as you guys live? Yeah. Uh, in the studio, and so they decided, okay, let's just put out a live album, go for broke, and you know, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, seventy-five. I think that that was kind of like mid seven. That was when like. A lot of bands started releasing live records. Yeah, because I know yeah. in that time frame, a year or two before that, like Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer, Yes, they all released yeah. live records. I mean, all, you know, other bands too. You know, you know, right. if you went through, you probably would see a whole bunch of live records coming out in that 
mid seventies. Oh, yeah. yeah, after Kiss, the whole dam broke. I mean, you had yeah. everyone from uh, yeah Emerson and Palmer to uh, um, the Commodores. Yeah, to yeah. Wow. Well, I wonder if one one of the things I, I wonder if partially, you know, the technology, the recording technology, had really matured by then. Yeah. You know, compared ten years before, like in the mid '60s, I mean, the recording technology was like night and day. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at yeah. that point in the mid '70s, you have uh, bona fide like recording trucks. You know, like, yeah. Where, where, whereas before it was just a reel-to-reel off the soundboard. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of think, and and more like the bands that were doing more live albums that were more sophisticated, like in the '60s, late '60s, the, the ones that come to mind are Grateful Dead, which was yep. known for their live recordings, and. Um, and Pink Floyd. I think Pink Floyd had some early, but they were like, you know, multi track recording decks had just kind of come online. I mean, you know, late 60s, you still got like Hendrix and you got the Beatles and like bands recording on four tracks and right. dubbing and stuff like that. You know, the funny thing about that is uh, you mentioned Hendrix. Yeah. And when he when he opened you know Electric Ladyland there uh, in in New York, uh, I guess uh, it was the first time where it went up to like he had like a sixteen track or something like that. Yeah. And it blew it blew everybody away. It's yeah. so innovative for the time. And you know, of course now it's who knows how many uh, tracks. Right, you know? right. It doesn't matter. You're not dealing with tape anymore. Yeah, but he was innovating. Back yeah. Then. No, that you're you're right because like something like eight or sixteen tracks in a studio in the in the late sixties yeah. to early seventies would just be like whoa, you know, this is this is Christmas, and right. and and if you think about it again, seventy five, the mid seventies, mid to late, you're thinking disco and that sort of thing in the recording studios themselves. They they they're having like twenty four tracks and stuff like that yeah. now because if you right. look at like one thing that the disco era did was tons of recording technology because those things were layered layered tons of layered uh overdubbing over and tracks and rock bands that took advantage of that would have been like queen for example it, um a real full sound yeah uh maybe bands like journey um boston boston probably boston. really uh you know poster Power child trio. Uh, you know, power trio stuff. Uh, I mean, Rush a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Triumphs. Yeah. But I'm talking about when, like, music groups and producers who, who went in and used a crap ton of tracks in the studio, tape tracks, you know. Yeah. I mean, the tapes are getting to be, like, two inches now, you <laughs> know. And then they were, like, if they needed more tracks, you had two two-inch tape decks that were synced together with a big serial cable that would run in sync. So so I'm saying like by the mid seventies there that kind of technology had trickled into yeah. remote trucks. <laughs> that was a good one. I wish I could put echo on that. Bless you. Yeah, oh. I, I wish I'd have four knowledge. Zoom time. Um but uh the uh 
Yeah, I mean, but that technology would be just like get into those remote trucks. So, so being able to do like a kiss alive in 1975, the technology was there to really truly capture that live performance. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I like, I, I often really love records from bands that were recorded live in the seventies with that. Um, Cause you, they're, they're good recordings. The technology is there to capture it decently. So it sounds good. And then it's also live. So it has all the energy of the performance and the audience. And you're like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like a lot of my favorite records from uh, rock bands in that period are the live records. I mean, the studio records are nice, but you go back to the studio record and then you're like, boy, but you know, the audience isn't there and the, and the, and the, and the musicians, uh, the energy's not there, but on the live record, the energy's there. Right. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. It doesn't surprise me that Kiss's live albums are the, the, almost the highest ranked. I mean, you know? Yeah, I agree. So number one is Destroyer. 1976. Yep. Bob Ezrin, of course, Detroit Rock City, Beth. Detroit, Detroit Rock City, sure. Yeah. Shout so it out loud. Shout it out loud, yeah. See, the ones that someone like me, uh, you know, a neophyte, uh, you know, someone who's not as well-versed in Kiss, yeah. I still would know those songs. It's like, oh, sure. yeah. And, of course, remember the artwork, you know. Uh, I mean, it's still one of the most popular album covers. Yeah. Well, they had, yeah, they had a lot of, uh... I mean, they, the one thing about Kiss is they were a marketing machine. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, their whole thing with the look and the marketing and all of that, yeah. um, you know, that, that's sold the record. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of funny because... Certainly, as a rock and roll band, as a you know, which is like you want kids to walk in, back in those days, see a record on a shelf and go, "I want that. I want to buy that." Without hearing it, it's like that looks yep. good to me. I want to buy it, right? Yeah. Kiss yeah. was definitely that. Oh, Kiss was always a visual band. band. Yeah. Yeah. Whether in concert or album covers, I mean, right? That's that's what sold. Yeah. So. You want to walk in and have a kid go, "I want. I want to. I want to hear that. I want to get that." Um, right. It takes it back to uh, Miles Davis, oh, yeah. who said something very similar. Uh, actually, in his, it wasn't in the document, recent documentary that I know it, they do talk about it, but I yeah. don't think they talk about it. it. Is in his autobiography where he talks about going to jazz clubs back in the day when he was younger, you know, working with people like Charlie Parker and yeah. uh, those guys, Dizzy, and you know, in the bebop era. Yes. Uh, and he's like, we'd go out and go see shows, right? And go see other musicians when we're not working, go into clubs, see what's going on, see, see get ideas what they're playing. He said, I would walk in, and if I saw guys on the stage that just didn't look, they weren't dressed well, they didn't look good, you know, I would walk out. Right. This is Miles Davis saying this. Yeah. Because he was like, I want to see guys who are, because the guys who are, to me, in my mind, that are, are going to play are the guys who are going to look like they're going to play. Like, it's right. going to be the whole thing. And if you think about Miles Davis as a performer, well, it's one thing 
no matter what era it was, he changed his look through the eras, especially in the 60s and the yeah. 70s and the 80s. What was yeah. one thing he did? He always yeah. looked. He always was Miles Davis, whether it's like yeah. in the early days, in the 50s, he's young playing yeah. bebop, and he's wearing the nicest suits and stuff, looking really sharp. Oh, yeah. In the 60s, From... when he sees Sly Stone and stuff and starts wearing flashy 60s stuff. In the 80s, he's wearing all kind of the funky town kind of stuff right. like when I saw him. Earth, wind, and fire stuff. Yeah. He always was, you know, his look was important. I mean, his music was of paramount importance. But to him, part of that was to look like you're going to play. like it, Almost like it gets you in the psychology of it. And I never, I always understood, before I read his autobiography and I read that, I, I always understood two things. One, I understood the people who are glam, who are marketing. It's like, you know, maybe the, maybe this person can't really sing or they can't really play or whatever, but yeah. they look good, you know? Right. I right. mean, they're they're popular. You know, we want to see them sing and dance and stuff, you know? They're a performer. Yep. Maybe they don't have to be the best singer or whatever, but they look I, great, yeah. you know? I, I eat kiss. Yeah, you know? And, and, and... But then, and then there's the serious artist, oh, yeah. the serious musician. They don't have to look good. They they can look like crap. But oh boy, this person's a virtuoso, right? Right. Well, that's kind of always I thought the separation. You know, it's like I don't have to look, I don't have to worry about my look when I'm over here playing this music because we're serious. I am, I am an artiste. But when I'm over here playing in the um, in the rock band. Like everyone's like, hey, you, your look's got to be on point because these kids aren't going to dig it if you don't look good, right? Right. That was always the philosophy when I was growing up, kind of, or in, at least in my head. And then I read the thing about Miles Davis, and I was like, a very serious musician who's saying, yeah. no, the look, look, look is part of part of the deal. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of got from that, like, okay, that's kind of the psychology of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. You know, and maybe, maybe you know, if you're a serious musician, whatever, you still got to think about your look of what you're, what you're doing. You know, and Miles worked with some of the greatest. You know, the youngest musicians. He mentored some of the great jazz, modern jazz fusion guys, and he would get on them and like he'd be like, you know, I want my band to look good on stage. Right. Herbie Hancock, all those guys, would be like, you know, um. So it's kind of interesting psychology there. Yeah. Um, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I don't look the part. You well, know. And, and as you get up through the 60s and, and of course, into the 70s, uh, you were on TV more. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so music became visual. Visual, right. Well, that and that was the thing. Like, by the 80s, when we're doing all this stuff, right, then it was MTV. It was music television, right? So it was right. like you had the FM radio, but really you were you were listening to music on video, and right. you you were wanting to consume those videos. And when it, you know, it could be a concept video where it was like you know some dramatic thing played out to the song, but especially with rock and roll, even if it was that, you'd have to cut to the band playing at some point. Right. You know, it would it would always suck in, especially rock. Like like a rock band, yeah. Uh, like if you didn't have the band playing, 
and you're looking at the band, you know, oh, jamming out, you know. And, or, and oftentimes in a rock video, you could just have the band playing and have other yeah. stuff going on around it. Right. But um, but then, it yeah, it became really important. But I don't know. But it's also important for Sirius. Yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, like I said, Miles Davis. Yeah. Miles. Well, wow, we just... It's always good to do a show that you don't know what you're doing, and we just did a deep analysis of the band Kiss. Kiss. With Gene Simmons. All their records. Um, yeah, we should wrap it up. There, you mentioned earlier, I mean, um, yeah, there was a, a, uh, this drummer who just died. People are like, uh, King Crimson, um, Red Hot Chili R- Peppers. Yeah, R.E.M. R.E.M., Ministry, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. yeah. Bill, uh, R- how did you say his last name? Rifflin? Yeah. I think yeah, it's Bill true. Rifflin. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, whew, what a drag. <laughs> what a drag. Yeah. But anyway, um,. I didn't expect to be rating Kiss records, but it's interesting. It's inter- actually, I find it interesting because, like I said, I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. Next week we can, or next time we can rate uh, Emerson Lincoln Palmer records or something. <laughs> right, I'm definitely. Or Miles Davis or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it'll be like, but Doc, I love Bitches Brew. Yeah. Bitches Brew is pretty good. My, it's still my favorite of those kind of blue. Mm, oh, yeah. Well, that's... Freddie Freeloader. That's uh, one of his... Oh, yeah. That's one... That's, you know, of course, one of his greatest well-known records. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, Bitches Brew is great. Uh, there's a lot... In fact, you know, like now, a lot of tracks are being re-released and stuff. In fact, just... I just listened to a new Miles Davis record, which was from the In a Silent Way sessions it was just released a few months back for like a record store day thing and it was like what's this it's like new miles davis in a silent way so so all these tapes that are being re-released um and uh bitches brew i love bitches brew but uh uh, my favorite in that time frame is in a silent way in a silent way sessions and that's again nothing against bitches brew but in a silent way i put that thing on for like mellowing out after parties and stuff and it's 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 because it's uh it's a little more it's a little more mellow kind of so it kind of just flows i know it's i was i realized that um a lot of that music is kind of influences um oh kind of the uh electronica okay. and that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. Some of that Miles Davis. It was like, oh, yeah, it does. I think that was in that documentary, actually, where they brought up and they said, hey, look at all this music, like electronic music, this kind of chill, all this stuff. Yeah. Listen to this stuff from the late 60s, 70, early 70s, Miles Davis. Guess what? All those grooves and all that kind of like funk groove with kind of free jazz and all this stuff. You're hearing yeah. it there. And then you see it later, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s, like, dang, they're right about that. Yeah. That's for sure. Anyway, 
but I don't know. We should probably go off. Bugger off. We should probably bugger off. Right. I, I, I hear the I hear the bathroom calling. <laughs> Jason, I hear the bathroom calling. And I don't mean just a trickle. Beth, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to uh I, I was just going to check the news just in case we got something breaking. Breaking. I mean, it's all bad news. Um, yeah. But keep it up. But we're going to be back, right? We'll be back. Sure. We'll be yeah. back soon. Sooner rather than later. Now that I'm getting all my files organized. I'm thinking probably, what, Friday? At least, yeah. yeah. We could even Here probably... I'm, I'm getting better and better about firing stuff up quickly now that I'm getting organized. And you got your webcam working really well. Right. Really well. So that's looking good. Now, now you got the light on you, so you're kind of like looking a little um, Dexterish, I think. Right. <laughs> By bathroom, I mean I've got three people tied up in my <laughs> spare room. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, oh my god! I'm giving up that kind of volume. <laughs> well, it's oh. just that you know it's getting dark and the lighting. <laughs> You right. Know, yeah. We'll go earlier. Yeah, I get it. Well, I didn't want to. I got another light, and I didn't want to kind of turn it off because I didn't want the glare. Here, I'll turn it on really quick. Oh, that's okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you know that's that's a little too much. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll play. I'll play around with some lighting here and uh, see if we can't get you know when the sun goes down, sort of. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm just going to put up the graphic and play us out. Alrighty. Does that sound good? Sounds peachy keen. If I can... Uh, oh, I got to do it the other way. Oh, no, I can do it this way. Hang on. I want to fade it in. Oh. As yeah. we ride off into the sunset. Yeah. I think this will work. All right. We'll see you uh, soon. Very soon. Back at it. Stay, stay in place. Stay safe and... Stay, stay healthy, please. Amen.